Welcome to the Regular People Podcast. I'm Wade Allen, and today I'm joined by Brad Allen. Um, yeah, today my brother is actually on the podcast. Or did you want to be anonymous? I would like to be anonymous. Legitimately? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, it's too late for that. So I, I, I obviously I know Brad decently. As human beings, not so much. Right. As, as individuals who are bodies on a planet, very much. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, as I like to start a lot of the podcasts, so the listeners have an idea of um, who you are, what you're like, where, where you're coming from, and your perspective on things. Do you want to give a brief, I don't know, bio or yeah, sure. course of evolution of your life? So I was, I'm a troll person from the bridges <laughs> of your, no, uh, I don't know. I'm a 28 year old male who, uh, has no course of action in their life and takes them <laughs> and goes wherever the wind decides. Today, the wind pointed towards a podcast. Yeah. Um, my perspective is that no one should have perspectives. And uh, okay. I don't know if that makes sense, but I'll allow it. No, um, I don't. I don't know. I, well, first of all, I don't know how to take myself seriously or anyone else. So I think oh, my, I think that's fine. A big perspective of mine is just uh, to be goofy and um, not take t- many things seriously. So I'd never like to take things too seriously, which I think kind of shapes um, how I live my life and how I think most people around me should or how I perceive them to live their lives. I take it most things with some humor. Yeah, that's good to think of everything as kind of um, at least have some sort of humor about things. Like, maybe not everything is 100% a joke, but everything is at least a little bit a joke. Yeah. You never... If you take everything seriously, there's no there's no room for joy in life. Yeah. I guess, like, you can either look at life as a... Generally speaking, anyway, like, as a comedy or tragedy. The choice is yours. I like a, I like a nice tragedy 90% of the time, and then it hits into a real nice dark comedy. Yeah. Which I think is how everybody probably lives their lives, actually. As a dark comedy? Or yeah, like yeah. in that I would ratio, say you so. Mean. If you look at people's lives, their tragedies become you laugh at them at the end, yeah. but for a good ninety percent of it, it's a it's tragic whatever people are going through. But yeah. you have to look back and just laugh. And the more tragedy happens, the funnier it tends to be. Yeah, it's 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 too easy to get stuck in in your own mindset and take take everything that's happening in your life as like the most important thing, the the only thing that matters, when that's just not true. Yeah, there's always the, um, what is it, in Perks Made of Wallflower, there's that quote that's, uh, I mean, it's a known quote, but they in that book, they say it in a different way. But it's the, uh, kids are always starving in Africa. It doesn't negate the fact that you're going through something, but at the same time, there's always something worse, and there's always something better than whatever you're going through. So, at the end of the day, you just kind of have to like laugh about whatever you perceive your life to be and move on. Yeah. So the topics we want to talk about today, I feel like, I mean, that already is is the first one, the getting into oh. it. Anyway, these are the ones you you were wanting to talk about, though. So we got reality and perspective. Um, we got American true crime. Big fan. Um, more like I don't know as much about it, but I love consuming it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I know a decent amount from so does Adrian from consumption, the, the true crime uh, shows and documentaries and stuff. Um, so yeah, we can talk about that. Um, there's also dark tourism, and actually, I don't know how many of these topics we can get to because there's like seven of them. But yeah, Hollywood lore, lucid dreaming, and astral projection. I, that one's curious to me. Conspiracy theories, 
modern-day nationalism, religion, and brainwashing, and influencers slash media in each generation. So you can probably just go through that list in order. Yeah. I mean, when I when I sent it, um, like there's a lot of different. There's like seven of them, but in my head, I thought they kind of in my head they transitioned kind of into each other. So in that I, order? Uh, no, maybe not in that order per se. But it was kind of like I'm very curious about really reality and perception. Mm-hmm. And in my head, like true crime comes in that because the people in those tragedies are either the survivors have to rationalize the fact that somebody was murdered in front of like in their lives, or the person doing the murder their reality is that they're good in some way, which is so, oh, yeah, yeah. so like in my head, like they, all those things are very, they all root in perceptive oh, okay. in perception and reality. Yeah. It's like, nobody thinks they're, they're the villain. Like, yeah. You're, you you're the hero of your own story, no matter, even if you're a serial killer yeah. somehow. I mean, for survival aspect, like you just, I don't think the human mind can make yourself into a villain unless you want to be the best. villain. like the people who are like the villain in their own head, I think they look at themselves as the best villain or like or, they're justified in, in, being a villain like yeah the world has wronged them so they're going to do it back to the world so yeah so it's even in a way it's still like they're more anti-hero or, some, or more like giving the world justice than they are actually yeah being evil for evil's sake yeah which is why yeah why i think it's so crazy how yeah like your reality shifts your perspective or your perspective shifts your reality yeah so what so when you said people shouldn't have perspectives what do you mean by that like can you even Go without a perspective. You can't. But in an ideal world, I don't think we would all have one common perspective. In okay. a, one common reality. Yeah. So, like, I I would like to not have any op- strong opinions on anything. That would be fantastic. But, like, we do because our world is moved around us and we move with the world and things happen and then it creates opinions and perspectives in our mind and then our reality shifts constantly as we grow older. So then the way that you're thinking of opinion is that like an opinion is necessarily just fundamentally different from like facts. Are there not opinions that can be more true than others? Maybe not like necessarily a conclusively right opinion, but like, wouldn't you say that people can have opinions that are divorced from reality entirely and aren't just are crazy like opinions. So then you want to have no opinion at all, ideally. Yeah, I mean, if the world worked perfectly, you wouldn't. There'd be no need for opinion. I mean, this is talking. This is abstract right. idea. But if the world worked, you wouldn't need opinion because everyone. There'd be no right, wrong, yes, no. It would be just one thought, one common. But couldn't that one thought, even if like everybody in the world agreed on a on a mutual story, wouldn't that story still necessarily kind of entail like what is good and what is bad? I mean. I, I, this is all literally just like ab- so abstract because yeah. in like from what I'm saying is like this is not possible or logical because right. you would there if without opinion there would be need for good or bad because you wouldn't know what good or bad are. Oh, okay. it would just be whatever is is right. Just and acceptance we, of everything. and everyone around you is in the same boat as that, and somehow like the energy would just create a good. Or bad. I mean, good or bad are just words we made up. Yeah. Well, to me, this sounds like a world without consciousness. Like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> where there's only objects that <laughs> that would inanimate. Actually, that's my ideal world. No consciousness. There's a lot of anxiety that comes with consciousness. Yeah. There's like, a lot of pain. Let's life just is suffering. Leave, let's just leave consciousness at the doorstep and revert back to. So um, then, if if you could turn the universe off, you would choose to. Oh, I think everyone would. You think so? No. 
Like turn up just no universe. I mean, either just no universe or like all of the experience is just gone. So the universe only has, you know, inanimate objects in it. So it's essentially the same sure. thing. There's nobody there to observe it. No one would know if a tree falls in a forest. Does it make a sound? It's right. pretty much the same thing. Yeah, I mean, so. after you turn that switch off, then really it doesn't matter whatsoever. But you'd still have that, like, you know, the few moments where you have to decide that you're just about to annihilate everything. Yes, I would definitely do the snap, but with both hands. Like a Thanos, oh, 100%. double Thanos snap. <laughs> not, not half the population. All of it. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. No. <laughs> All of it without consciousness. No. Yeah. That's, consciousness are important, but at the same time, it's it's interesting to think what is like what's the purpose of it yeah because i think i mean having an opinion having something like a value judgment of a thing the only way to do that is if you have a goal and i feel like just by being a living creature you necessarily have goals there's no way to get around it like you at least have the goal of not dying so then there are some things that are good in the the, if your goal is to not die and some things that are bad Mm. um i feel like in a world where everybody was completely honest with themselves and open to evidence and logic in like a consistent way maybe we could reach like you all just realize like okay we all want to survive so these are the things that are good and bad for that right. we all want to be happy these are the things that are good and bad for that i feel like there is a way that you could come to a consensus on things realize that like this thing isn't actually good for your survival or good for your happiness but right. you're, you're you're doing it anyway because you don't realize that it's bad for you yeah kind of thing. so maybe maybe instead i revert my opinion um, instead of no consciousness, maybe just in pure enlightenment, right. 100% enlightenment actually would be the the actual proper step Yeah, for 100% of the population. No snapping, no murder, just life for everybody, but 100% enlightenment. Yeah, everybody needs to reach nirvana. Everybody needs to do like LSD at the same time or something. There's a thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if that would even... It would get you, like, percentage there, but it wouldn't accomplish it. Yeah. So, reality and perspective. How much of it do you think comes down to you first... I don't know which comes first, or maybe it's an ever-continuing cycle. But say, like, you have a you form a perspective on the world, and then once you have that going, that basically shapes how reality appears to you. And then even if reality could be interpreted a hundred different ways, the fact that you before this moment have decided maybe subconsciously in your head that life is a tragedy you'll just automatically interpret things as worse than maybe they actually are yes and then so like basically your idea of the whole world is being shaped and everything that's happening in your conscious experience is being shaped by your perspective that you've built up to that point yeah i would say it would be maybe there's a survival aspect to say you're you're like a baby there's a survival aspect that is now your reality is just to survive. Yeah. It's simple. But once you get like the core the core survival pyramid, what is it? Like food, safety, all those things, then I think then your experiences come into play that shape your perspectives that then you t- reality is reality. I'm sure there's one reality. It's in like the name. Apparently by definition there has to be one reality. But I think it's not how we how like we turn reality to something, it's how we look at reality and how yeah. like we let it we let our perspectives change our reality right. it kind of like goes into all of like that is and now you're living your life yeah say it's a tragedy you're going around being and that's what they people tell you all the time when like self-help books always say, oh shape your mind shape your world right. things like that 
you just somehow start looking at life differently and then it'll actually feel different to you. Right. If you like, start having more positive outlook, then that just kind of fixes your problems just to a degree anyway. Yeah. Maybe that works. Maybe I have not tried that. I mean, well, I feel like the hard thing is actually just doing that in the first place, like getting your brain to switch perspectives. You can't yeah. just like say, okay, I'm going to be happy now. Yeah. But it also it's different because I feel like everyone's reality gets shaped. They shape it themselves based on yeah. all their past experiences. So even say you telling yourself to be happy would be different than me telling myself to be happy. Because right. our happiness levels would be different based on whatever our experiences are. Yeah. So like it's crazy how everyone, the billion people living in the world, all have a different reality. But yet we're all pretending to have one. Right. But we're all walking around thinking completely different things and thinking completely different rights and wrongs. Because our reality is not one right, one wrong. It's whatever we decided was how we wanted to live. Yeah. Yeah, like whatever the objective reality may be, we aren't experiencing it. And then the, no. our subjective realities that we're experiencing are different from each other. Like our epistemologies are different to each other too. Like what we perceive as being true about the universe. You know, somebody might think that the, the election was stolen Right. legitimately like it, it was stolen and somebody might think that's a nonsense and yeah. they both are equally convinced that that is like the real truth of the world yeah well it's interesting because i feel like we come from this place of non no information about the before and the after of like humanity so we don't know or maybe not humanity but existence yeah so we don't know the before and the after as a concrete fact so we as humans are left with no if you think about like no important concrete facts that we should have or that we as curious minds with the consciousness and like all these other evolving traits, we should have those, those yeses and those nos yeah. in our heads, but we don't. So how do we shape reality? If we don't have like the core of our reality in our minds, reality can be whatever it is. Like you could say the election was stolen. You could say it's not. If you think about it from like a, a deep point of like what we're also sponsored by uh, dogs. <laughs> dogs. <laughs> um, but no, if you think about like reality as if we don't know what reality is, how are we to know what our own reality is? Which is why I think science is so important because that's, I feel like that's the only way of actually coming right. to at least a approximation. The closest you can get to understanding objective reality is by testing it and making experiments and seeing if your hypothesis is right or wrong. But th that what you were saying before reminded me of a, topic that i've been thinking about lately is like how we don't really know certain like facts and especially there's like a a time bubble of however many years maybe maybe a few hundred years kind of always just following us where you can't really even trust things that supposedly happened hundreds of years ago how do you really know that they happened because now all you've, the best you've got is somebody wrote it in a book that it happened but like how can right. you trust that they were actually telling the truth or they Maybe not weren't outright lying, but like they were just incorrect. They, they thought it happened, but it didn't. Right. So it, it kind of comes like, well, I'm worried that it comes down to what you think is true about the world really just lies deeper in what you want to be true about the world. So like if something, if you like something or if it meshes with your currently existing perspective, you're likely to think it's true without, you know, much going deeper into it to see if it actually is. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, like, for as far as, like, textbooks go or, like, history and stuff like that, it's interesting how there is one fact with things, like, how how things transpired. There's yeah. there's a fact. But it's interesting how our realities are shaped by what we are taught and what we're 
what's learned yeah. and whatnot. Like we, we as a civilization all agree that Hitler was bad, well, but not all. okay. Not all. All right. There's some people who don't, but like, imagine if a whole country was taught that he was, he was right. Apparently Hitler is talked about very fondly in Saudi Arabian newspapers. Okay. So say that, say that they're, that's what that's taught in their or school. The same as like probably. how the U S schools are taught that like, we were the best in our country, deserved the land that it stole and right. stuff like, and blah, blah, blah. We're taught that just recently, like, I feel like recently in the last maybe 50 years, there's been like more of a spike of like questioning that right. reality because it wasn't the reality. We created that reality. Our founding fathers created that for nationalism to yeah. be like, we need people under our belts, but we're murderers. How do we make people trust us if we're murderers? Oh, we did the right thing, which is right. like interesting how you can create fake realities in the same world just based on like, and the events happened, they transpired, yeah. whatever it it's was. It's just not there's, the whole truth. Yeah, because there's science that we can we can see fossils. Right. We can see, like, we can see fields that have been blown up in wars and things like that and bodies and whatnot. So we can see those, like, different, you can create a different reality if you can convince people that that reality is what right. they want and have as their own. Yeah, and like how much of each history book is objective fact and how much is opinion written in yeah. by, you know, the people who... Yeah, like whoever, whatever money was in whatever pocket. Yeah. Or creating, or not even money, but just like, yeah, like as far as like nationalism goes, like you need a country behind you if your country is. Yeah. Or like even, it doesn't have to be an explicit motivation to forge history to your like liking. It could just be that, you know, since you are a U.S. citizen and you're writing a textbook for U.S. history, you kind of just have a inherent bias to not want to be a bad guy so that you... Right kind of whitewash your history books subconsciously right but also the same as because our country was like rooted on patriotism like hero like being heroes and whatnot like even as far as like all of the marvel things like those came from one country in particular like they came from us during like world war one and two to create like as propaganda like that's yeah like captain america yeah fighting hitler like is yeah that's probably i mean in our minds like that that is right i think as far as the world concerns like hitler was wrong but like as far as in our minds like that was that was created to push forth those ideas even farther so what would happen if somebody did that in more of a malice type of way like what with the native americans whatnot where it was like clearly the other opinions that we all grew up with are now wrong and they always were because it like we were raised on history books and textbooks that said that like the colonials were in the right yeah, and then they, you look at it got for two seconds around the campfire at Thanksgiving to <laughs> yeah. to share goods, and, and you get like one other. Everybody loved each other. <laughs> yeah, anything tells you otherwise. You talk to one other person like, "Hey, what happened there?" And you, they're like, "Oh, I actually looked that up. I didn't listen to the history book." And you're told that, but like, what happens when that information is not like presented to you? What is your like, your reality yeah. could be anything. Yeah, and it's that's that's a good point that, that you just mentioned briefly. There is, it's not even that you have to have lies presented to you or inaccuracies presented to you. It could just be that you didn't have the truth presented to you at all. So like you just, right. there's an omission in what you learned or what you like a right. history class. They don't have to say that like Christopher Columbus was a good dude. They could just not talk about the bad things he did. Right. And then it makes him seem by default, like he was a good dude. Yeah. If they just talk about all the, yeah. They just talk about his like accomplishments. Like, yeah. Oh, he was a con. Conquest or conquistador, <laughs> conquistador, yeah, conquistador, who's just like looking for new land. He's great, like, yeah, like he was responsible for bringing coffee beans to Europe. Like, yeah, 
I mean, it's inter- It's similar to how like um what like Brit or uh, not Britain. I was thinking Berlin, but like Germany, how they teach about World War II. Like they are very, at least from what I've heard, I have not gone through the curriculum in right. Germany. You're not obviously. a German student. No, but like uh, but like from like Reddit, I guess. <laughs> But things like that, they always talk about how like Germany is very open about talking about how bad World War Two was and how like that was not the like what they as Germans now put their foot behind. Whereas America was like, we are not gonna, we're never gonna do that. We're never gonna be like, yeah, like it's so hard for us to admit that we're in the wrong for anything. Whereas other places, maybe it's just having like a little bit of like a un-American bias where I think America's just faulty for a lot of things. Right. But they they do love to present themselves as the heroes and that. The, the saviors of the world where it's like you could re- look at things more realistically and realize that there's some, been some black and white areas yeah yeah it's been some some gray in there some it's not all just roses and smiles yeah yeah like in in the middle of like world war Two too like when the u.s is normally depicted as some grand heroes like got internment camps for japanese people right but that's brushed over complete like i mean not completely but I mean, I, I did learn I about that in high school, but it's right. definitely like a side topic. Yeah. It's like the little statement underneath a picture. Right. Here's a picture of an internment camp. Oh, by the way, this is, and there's a little blurb at the bottom. It's like you learn about it's D-Day for a, a whole week. Yeah. And then you learn about the Japanese internment camp for like five minutes. Oh, by the way, this is a big deal. But anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's still like not talked about. Like those, like it's still not like talked about. Like that was, a, that was fairly recent in terms of U.S. history or as far as like world history goes and like those effects still linger in like communities yeah. like those the things that the u.s has done linger because like they don't realize that like right after world war ii was like this huge growth period for like all the white ex-soldiers and whatnot and then like everybody else got pushed aside so it's like crazy to think that that was 70 years ago or whatever but it's still like those like that was two three generations that's not that much yeah Anyway, World War One and Two, <laughs> crazy times. Yeah, definitely the most talked about topics in history classes for sure. But then I don't know. I wonder like if there's some ratio to be met in a history class of like how much you want the students to feel bad and how much you want them to feel like I don't know good about where they live. I mean, I feel like it'd probably be a bad idea to go like to the far other extreme of just teach trying to teach like your country's a shit, piece of shit like you you are the villains in the world right. like you are awful like <laughs> repent now like imagine <laughs> you've got to strike some balance of like we did good things and we did bad things you get the opposite of a terrorist organization forming yeah Would that be just like <laughs> well i mean i don't know because maybe you got some fear National that you're, nihilist? you're so... growing a bunch of people who completely hate their country and then <laughs> a whole country everyone wants to leave yeah yeah you just have like a mass like everybody just moves to sweden yeah but like nothing like physically bad happened to them like they just they like just learned hate, information. Yeah. They're like, actually, I just like, I didn't like it. I don't know why. And they're like, actually, school is fine. Yeah. Uh, we just we learned that we we were really bad a while ago. <laughs> Countries are like, so you you're not a refugee? No, no, no. We just like learned information that we don't like. Yeah. They're like, please leave. That's probably, I guess, unrealistic to expect. I'm sure most people's reaction to to learning realistic history education would be to want to improve the country rather than just flee it. That's one thing that comes up in like video games a lot that's always a little bit annoying is like if you've got a video game community who are complaining about the state of the, the game it's like bad right now whatever 
there's a whole group of people who are like, if you don't like playing it, just like leave, just stop playing it. All right. And there's the other half. It's like, well, I mean, we could try to improve it by giving our criticism to the developers. Like, right. Do you just give up on something and leave just because you don't like it? Or like, so that's the big Star Wars problem. Right. That's like the whole fan base in Star Wars. Like everyone, you're a Star Wars fan and you hate Star Wars movies. Yeah. Like that's that's like well known. Like everyone who loves Star Wars hates Star Wars just as much as they love it. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, at what point do you stop being a fan and just decide that you only hate it? Right. And I feel like that's really how how it goes with any any fan dumb or anything that you could like. The, the more you like it, your hatred for it grows in proportion to it. Because the more attention and time you spend on that thing, the more of its flaws you, you notice. Right. Like Game of Thrones. I love it so much, but I hate it so much. Well, that's true. And now I hate it more than I love it. it. Everyone should hate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just like things in general, you just... Like reading the Harry Potter books like five times in a row, it's like, oh, I didn't notice that before. That seems like a, a J.K. Rowling like a, didn't think of that. It's a plot right. hole there. Like first time you read it, it's all magic and chanting. You love it. Round round ten, it's like, oh, there are things that could have been done better. But it's because you're such an expert on it now. Like I don't know, I'm on round twenty five <laughs> maybe. It's never lingered from perfect. <laughs> yeah, but that's its own topic for a different day, a different week. I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on the topic of reality and perspective? I mean, no. I think that might just be an overall right. It, it'll come That's back always into, on my mind. Into everything. Yeah. That. I oh, mean, I wanted to say too that um, I feel like it's kind of a cyclical effect. This happens like with everything. It seems like there's a either a downward spiral or an upward spiral. If you, for whatever course of events happen, shapes your perspective on the world in say a negative way, and you interpret things poorly because of that afterwards, you everything that happens has a negative tinge to it just because that's your disposition now that's gonna just keep on adding up over the years oh yeah and you're just gonna get to the point where like life just sucks yeah and it doesn't necessarily suck it's just that you've been making things worse in your mind for 10 straight years and then it's the opposite way too where like you can get those rose-tinted glasses and have this false perspective on reality where it's better than it actually is because you've been doing that to yourself this whole time that's interesting to think about because when you say the first thing about how when things go bad, they get worse, and then you view things as worse, even right. if it could be mundane, mundane and regular, it's kind of, in my mind, like the, the villain tragedy. Like, you see that with, like, speaking of Star Wars, like the Darth Vader Anakin story. Like, yeah. it's like, worse gets worse gets worse. Right. Here's this tragedy of somebody who's fine. Or, like, Joker, per se, like the movie, like the one that just came out with, like, yeah. um, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. It's not, no one is necessarily, like, I mean, he had, like, some dark things happen to him, but... I'm thinking like the talk show scene with, um, was it Robert De Niro? Yeah. Yeah, where it's like he's just talking, like bantering with him. Yeah. But Joaquin Phoenix's Joker has come from this place of just dark, darkness, 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 darkness. So those jokes are like just like stabs like, yeah. to him. So it's like he's gotten to this point where he's this villain now because his reality has been shifted. Right. Which is like interesting to think about the other. <laughs> this is a really loud <laughs> motorcycle. Um, but it's interesting to think about the other aspect of that is the um, because everyone you see the villain one play out a lot more than you see the the naive delusional play right. out because in a good way per se because that naive delusion is just as dangerous right. of living your life like as a narcissist yeah. essentially you're I mean, living I, your life things are perfect and they're only going to be more perfect for you right I feel like yeah to like well functioning human going down either path is detrimental to you and other people right um but yeah i feel like yeah in media you often see the the, well, yeah. the negative one more yeah that one's a little bit more it's easier to like transpire and to showcase and to 
maybe relate with because I think everybody naturally is a little bit more down on themselves. Yeah. So you can relate with the villain a little bit more because you can see how you can tr- trickle into that. Whereas the other one I think is more is it's less experience based and more of a delusion base. Whereas I think the negative one is more experiences, kind of like if tra- traumatic experiences happen to you over and over again, those things are hard, harder to shake off than say somebody compliments you over and over again. So now you've got this grandiose idea of your your ego. Yeah. That a lot of people don't normally let get to them as much as bullying or, I don't know, hate crimes and like slurs coming at them. Yeah. And I guess both can happen at the same time because your perspective can be, you know, more nuanced and and fragmented than just a simple thing. Like you could simultaneously be getting in a downward spiral of how you perceive the world and an upward spiral of how you perceive your own like importance or confidence or like ego. Like you could just be thinking like you're smarter, you're smarter than everyone else in the world more and more every day and the world is shit and like you're the only one who's good like that kind of thing happens yeah so it's like both things happening at once and that that is like the ultimate villain yeah that is like the like what is it like the richard ramirez like satanic killer who thinks like i'm reading the world of people because i'm the best i'm the only one who's who's strong enough to do it yeah i see i see the world for what it is and no one else does yeah right which i think that that combo of the two is probably like that person is a yeah. psychopath yeah that that's like a, that's probably the most dangerous because if you have somebody who is completely negative on th- their outlook on the world and their own self-esteem they probably don't have enough confidence to even do anything really right so they're not gonna like be a school shooter because they hate themselves too much yeah. to get out of their apartment or whatever or like they're more likely to kill themselves yeah than kill yeah, anyone else because they view themselves as equally bad because the world is just bad and they're part of that world but then you get the the one who has the grandiose ego, yeah. Who also thinks the world who thinks the world is bad, and they're the best. Right. Like that is the serial killer. That is that is the school shooter. Yeah. Whose motives weren't like to create chaos or to like kill themselves afterwards. It's to like wrong the like make rights for the wrongs that they had in their world. I don't know. Yeah. There's this um psychology um type called the dark triad. It's like a three traits, three psychological like dimensions that if appearing together, it's like a very strong combo to, to be a serial killer okay. or to be like a, maybe not exactly a serial killer, but maybe like a serial exploiter of people or, you know, CEO or, you know, like that, that kind of like person who takes advantage of other people. Jeffrey Bezos, <laughs> born in, <laughs> what's the song? <laughs> born Jeffrey in 1964, Bezos. <laughs> Jeffrey Bezos. CEO entrepreneur born in 1964. Yeah. Um, but it, what is it? The dark, the three, it's um, Machiavellianism. I can't even say that word. Machiavellianism. What, okay. What is that? I'm like, not brushed <laughs> up on my uh, Machiavellianism. Words. Um, like um, the prince by uh, what's his name? Machiavelli. It's like basically um, using people as instruments. Um, okay. Using people as tools in your game. So like zero empathy. Yeah, and then there's there's psychopathy, which is the zero empathy okay. part. And then there's... Um, oh, so manipulation and then zero empathy, basically. Right, right. and then the third what, one is... High IQ or something? Uh, no, what, what is it? Because in my don't head... don't want to say two of the three only. When you were saying it in my head, I was thinking it would have to be like... Uh, like to be... Oh, it's narcissism. Narcissism, okay. So it's narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism. Right. So, yeah, thinking thinking you are important and maybe the only important one... Um, viewing other people as tools and also uh, not having any emotion or right. yeah 
that would make sense. Like if I had those three, I would probably just kill people because why not? Right. Like in your head, you'd be like, okay. Yeah. Like these people are pawns. Right. And then that, um, the dark triad combo appears like, I don't know the exact numbers. This is wrong. It's just, you know, guesstimate. It's something like six times more often in men than in women. Right. And then like everybody has some amount of those things. Like if it was a continuum of like 0% to 100%, most people are probably like, they got a few percentage of those things. Yeah. Like you're a little bit unempathetic. You're a little bit, yeah, whatever. Everybody has a little bit. But if you're like high percentage of all three of those things, then you're mo- you're most likely to be the type of person who ends up being a serial killer. Like if you look through all serial killers, they've got right. these traits. High, yeah. yeah. High metachlorine count. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what it is actually. Yeah. That's, it's, a, it's all of the Star Wars saga was, um. <laughs> A metaphor for serial killers. Anakin is actually Ted Bundy. Yeah. They they needed somebody who had the aptitude to be the world's best serial killer and then some for some reason choose not to be. Right. Oh, no. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, if, if the medical midichlorians oh, yeah, yeah. are... Because they're that, yeah. seeking out somebody with lots of midichlorians. <laughs> That's what they should call it, actually. Is that in like a science... Like a, medical field if you see somebody with all three of those they just say like your metachlorine count is really high so that person in their mind they're like i knew it i'm the fucking best i'm a jedi master and then they just start killing people with a lightsaber (laughs) yeah oh man i was just thinking earlier today about how how horrible the star wars the last one is and everybody knows this um and i've said said it many times even on this podcast but one thing i specifically (laughs) haven't said is they, they they change the rules of the of the universe like as each movie goes and then what happens is the new rules actually just kind of make pointless everything else that happened for instance right. the force healing if that actually existed anakin never needed to go to the dark side to save padme he could have just used force healing right well the dark side is more sexy everybody knows that right force healing is a poor man's sport but or like yeah you can you can only force heal if you're a good person so like no anakin is a good person everybody knows that yeah darth vader though not sure about him no he's still good i'm convinced that's my reality and i will not budge (laughs) anakin and darth vader are good people to their core maybe not in the actions they present to the world maybe not blowing up alderaan but they're good that this reminds me of a thing that i was seeing the other day apparently there's this cartoonist who makes pro-trump cartoons except in several of his cartoons he right he draws trump into the position of like darth vader or like emperor palpatine and then the, the people who you know aren't cheering these on are thinking like wait a minute do you not realize like who this this character is a villain yeah and you're saying that the guy you love is is playing this role but then everybody who's pro trump is like oh this is such like yeah like this is this is exactly expressing what we like what we're feeling and why trump is so good you're like but he's Darth Sidious. <laughs> Wait. Yeah, like the, the one that I just saw um, was Trump as Don Quixote. And the story of that is Don Quixote like wants to be a knight and he thinks he's saving everyone. Um, but it turns out he's just fucking everything up. Oh. And then the end of the story is he just goes home because he's been ruining things. And he, what, what he's been talking about isn't actually real. That that adds up. And like it, it makes me think this is, is so perfect. That the the cartoonist must actually be anti-Trump. Yeah, I think, and he's I just so. playing people who think this is pro-Trump propaganda. Yeah, I think so. when I first learned the information of pro-Trump cartoonists, I thought, no, I don't like him. But now, I actually, I think I like him. It's either he's it's okay. This is like this phenomenon where if you get so 
satirical enough, people can't tell if you're being genuine. Mm. Like if I went on Reddit onto like the conservative subreddit and just said something so like I was trying to mock them so hard, right. they might not actually understand that I'm mocking them anymore. They might think I'm just one of them. So I think maybe that's what's happened here. Except people just like, bought it. And yeah, like, people like the, and maybe he, he made one, and, and then a bunch of pro-Trumpists made it or like shared right. it around, and he was like, "I wasn't expecting that." But that just, might that might be what happened. It just it seems so ridiculously ironic that I don't know how it could, how he could be making these cartoons thinking that it makes sense the way he thinks it makes sense. Right. He's definitely one third uh, perfect serial killer. He <laughs> manipulates people very well. He's yeah. got that down. He's a hundred percent. Yeah, I wish I remember the guy's name, but I'm sure if you type in like Don Quixote Trump cartoon, you, it'll probably be like right. the only thing that comes up. I've typed that in a few times. I've not gotten any results, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, I was done with the Dark Triad. So maybe we, that, that's a good place to move on to American true crime. Oh, yeah. America, I mean, we've we've dabbled already. Right. That's true. Knows. I, yeah, as I said, I'm not like much of an, I don't consider myself an expert on true crime, but I, it's a topic that. I am very fascinated with, and I yeah. think I research slash like look slash look up more than most things. It's what I spend my time at night looking up online, like serial killers and like yeah, like why they did, how they no, I'm um, <laughs> how no, exactly they yeah. dispo, dis, like dismember the body, how they get away with it with it's, only a butter knife. Yeah, uh, I just named the tools in my kitchen. Like, how would you kill someone <laughs> hypothetically with a pot, a pan, and two oven mitts? <laughs> and get away with it. Yeah, and then you find a wiki how, and you just follow the steps. <laughs> There's pictures and everything by, <laughs> yeah. by the guy. It's Trump. <laughs> yeah, they're not people. even cartoon pictures. They're just like literal, just screenshots. It's, or like screen, it's a video. Pictures of, like, is this real? So this is the first person I killed using this method. I had to do it four more, like three more times, to make sure it works. Right. Yeah. Although, um, if you want to know some interesting details about how to dispose of a body, um, which maybe isn't good information. I think to share. I've learned as much as I need to from Breaking Bad <laughs> and Dexter. I think they, those. Yeah. Although I, I wonder how realistic it is. For like Breaking Bad style to just buy like an entire gallon's worth of um like hydrofluoric acid. Well, you have to measure yourself in it first in the <laughs> store. You have to go to Home Depot and put yourself in a bucket. Like so where where exactly it. do you buy a barrel of hydrofluoric acid and how do you do that without like getting on a watch list? Right. I mean, they did. I feel like most of those things they kind of just overlook. Like, hey, he's a high school science teacher. He's got he gets tons of hydrofluoric things. acid. Yeah, like, he can make bombs. Like, whatever they need. Yeah. They're just like, he's got it. But, like, meanwhile, they don't order those. Like, it's high school science. But he yeah. had a lot of, like, those weird things. Although yeah. I think in that particular episode, Jesse was the one who had to go find it. Yeah. And he was, like, having a hard time finding it, as one would and probably it, do, as just, like, a, a the local drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. And they, like, briefly talk, kind of talk about... There's this one scene where Walter White is just like buying a new rake or something. And then he sees this method, like obvious method from what he's buying, buying all this stuff to make meth. And he like tells him in the parking lot, like, don't buy all your stuff at one place. You have to spread out your purchases. But they never actually like show those steps in Breaking Bad, like them them going to buy all these individually. Like, right. It must have taken so much time. Every single meth cook, especially when you're making like 40 pounds of meth. In Albuquerque, New Mexico. To, to go to every single... <laughs> grocery store and hardware store within like 30 miles to buy out all of their pseudofedrin right. like well he's a science teacher uh, <laughs> he just shows them his school id They're like oh we get it we just had another guy come in here for 40 pounds of pseudofedrin yeah <laughs> hold on we're gonna need it so we can sit back stocked okay but apparently these, these are my tips for um, how to kill people okay um, here are some quick tips on how to kill people for, i mean you got to dismember the body into lots of parts but that's you know that's a no, no brainer um and then you what, what you want to do is if you're going to bury them, 
make sure it's like a steep and, and small hole because what you would be expecting typically is, you know, a grave size hole, long, six feet deep kind of thing. No, just cut them into lots of pieces and make this hole like, I don't know, basketball size and then just go down, like get an auger and and then drill down in the ground and then stuff the, the, the pieces into the body. And then what you want to do is kill an animal and then put that animal carcass on top of the body which that way, if the police dogs go looking yeah. for the body, they'll find this raccoon and then maybe assume that the, the dog was interested in the raccoon and that's all that's there. And maybe right. there's more raccoon. That's like, oh, whatever. Another thing to do is apparently the soles of feet are a good way to get identification of people as well as like ear lobes and fingertips and stuff. Um, so you want what you want to do with those before burying them is coat them in yogurt, which will speed up bacteria growth oh, right. and eat them away make them decompose faster oh. which is why i never sleep with more than a couple ounces of yogurt on my feet <laughs> at night yeah you don't want to do a yogurt bath uh bad idea yeah don't slither in a bed covered in yogurt yeah, i'm trust, sure that's trust me thing. it's bad <laughs> oh yeah. um that's a lot of facts that i would not have known um and now i'm scared why you know them but i mean reddit i saw them on reddit oh right oh i have like illegal pro tips reddit or... yeah something like that okay yeah. i don't remember exactly where but I, the, the information stuck right. with me because it was fascinating yeah things like that definitely stick like i feel like the trauma from true crime information yeah something you're like i never knew i needed this information i don't need it actually but i have it and i can never let it go yeah i can forget my address many times my phone number but i will never forget how to get rid of a body now yeah <laughs> That's for sure. I wonder why, like, serial killers fascinate people so much just generally. Like, is it just because, is it because, like, within humans you have some sort of, like, impulse to, to murder at least a little bit? And you, is it, like, living through somebody vicariously? Is it that? Oh. No. <laughs> like, I hope not. Like, for, like, you know, in our ancient caveman days, we got lots of right. violence. Like, you have pent-up violence that you want to, like, hit I mean, we're and, a violent species, just from the get-go so we're, we're constrained in a civilization where we can't be recklessly violent let us murder but in, in some small way we wish we could be so it's like a fascination around the people who actually go and do that kind of thing even though we never would but yeah. it's like they're like, like the actors like, yeah your like, I wish reptile I was brain wants to do it like imagine right. the joy of you know killing someone or something like that oh wow well not the joy <laughs> it is but that's an interesting yeah, maybe not the joy but maybe like the, the feeling of power or something i've never thought about it like that but it's interesting because if we do like kind of gravitate towards serial killers and yeah, serial killers and just maybe even brutal killers that yeah. only got like one or cryptic killers. We, or like the mass shooters. Mass shooters. Like yeah. That. Like we, they're almost like little celebrities for a moment. Yeah. Like we, and they're, they're we like Google them, cult we Google followers. Their, their, yeah. There's people like go to their, like write them love letters and yeah. stuff like that. Like, and it's not necessarily how they look. It's a lot of times just like what the crimes they did or like who yeah, the victims were. Yeah, just the fact were. that this person killed like 60 people, you, you want to write them to letters in prison. Right. Who is it? The um, There's a set of laws. It's like a New York serial killer. He did a bunch of shootings in like the 70s. But there's like laws set now. Oh, um, Son of Sam. He was like did like the cryptic killings in like the 70s. Anyway, there's a set of laws set now called like the Son of Sam laws where it's you can't profit off of. If you're a serial killer and say like somebody comes to you to write a book, like you can't oh, take yeah. those profits, which is interesting because it's like that if that law had to be created, there's such an interest to it and like a people want that information and they want to know more. Yeah, and, like, wh yeah. Why do they want to know more? Is it because they gravitate? To I never thought it was because people wanted to kill. 
I always thought it's because it's interesting to see interesting to see that downfall and that that switch in reality, which yeah. is why I think like true crime relates so much to reality and perspective because I don't I like, not understand a, how somebody could could think a certain way like how somebody could right something drove them to that point right. of madness of severe madness like whether that is mental illness coming in play and helping them out but also experience like because you can get somebody who is uh schizophrenic that's not a murderer but a lot of times a murderer is schizophrenic yeah or is bipolar or is severely depressed but it's interesting to see how those things play into that mix with just traumatic experience and upbringing to create a reality where you are now a serial killer yeah like being schizophrenic isn't enough to make you a murderer no no not at all but it's but But it it is is more likely it's it's more likely and it's interesting to see because i think that is more that is why i'm at least interested in serial killers and whatnot because you see how they could have been normal yeah like there's little moments where you're like they could have had a normal life if they had chosen to look at something just differently or to react differently or to be in a different place that wouldn't have triggered them or i mean a lot of times it's like sad upbringings but even that it's like all right if they would have just looked at that in a different light yeah i was wondering like what is it that makes makes that happen because i mean you could have somebody who has equally a sad upbringing like they had all the abuse that that same person did right. but the, one person turns out to be a serial killer the other person turns out to just be you know depressed yeah and not a serial killer like what what is the difference in in their lives or in their psyches that caused that to happen and we might not ever know because it's like a it's so like, deeply I mean, rooted in what we think is normal so like that confession of like how this happened is never going to be an easy you'd have to like survey people like you'd have to like give make somebody you'd have to create a serial killer to see how that would trigger somebody you'd have to have like two test subjects in a room and both of them have like what would be a serial killer tent like quality yeah and create a mass serial killer (laughs) and then create somebody who's normal in a room in like in a test lab and be like, yeah. oh, this is what, oh yeah, last week when we said this about so and so, yeah, that really triggered them, and now they killed half the lab. Like then you <laughs> then you know you'd be like, okay, so it turns out that little bit of that little bit of uh, push really does it. Yeah, because that's why it's interesting. It's all these little things. It's twenty some years, like which is I think almost more interesting to read about like young serial killers, because that it's like I mean it's a lot more impulsive most of the time. It's not as planned out, but sometimes yeah. it is planned out, and it's interesting to see how their lives went so much more quickly in that direction yeah i wonder do you think we have more of a fascination with um like heroes or villains or or is it equal i guess i i would i would say villains yeah i think so with like our society i mean even even as far as when i said earlier like world war one and two and whatnot those we wouldn't have the heroes if we weren't so focused on taking down the villains yeah i know it's like a simple way to say it but a lot like i heroes are so much more interesting when they have a villain that's on the same level as them we give heroes so many more powers than the villains do most of the time the villains are i'm thinking like comic book movie wise but the villains normally are super way smarter or like they have like they had the leg up and they know more information yeah the hero is always kind of fumbling through it and they don't get it right away yeah it's usually like the the villain is objectively like should be more powerful and then the heroes have to like use the power of friendship to over like (laughs) Yeah, it's like, like one one villain versus a group of like heroes. Even yeah. if it's like a movie where there's the single protagonist, like Iron Man or something, he still has his like friend with yeah. him that's gonna help out and like he... or the society coming together. And yeah, right. Cheering him on, and right. he's like, "Oh, your hope made me lift this building off of me, and I can fly and punch him now." 
Yeah. And he's got that, like, you know, halfway through the movie period of failure. And, like, the yeah. villain doesn't have that period of failure. No. The villain has a period of cockiness and ego, but yeah. that's what takes him down more than the actual hero does. I mean, I guess a villain usually has setbacks over the course of a story because, like, otherwise they would have done the thing they want to do earlier. They, just, they, they keep on having these roadblocks that give right. the hero enough time to, to train, appear train. just in time yeah. and save the day. But, yeah, I feel like as much as we might be interested in, in villains and i think they generally are cooler just just by being villains i guess i feel like they're not written well a lot of the time because one thing that's just kind of tropey and annoying is making villains like evil just for the sake of being evil right. like they don't have a fleshed out or like detailed backstory that's actually like understandable and makes you realize like oh like that could be i would do the same thing if i was in that that situation i mean i think that's that's less skill set on the writers and more strategy from execute like whoever's in charge of pushing a, a, an agenda if you will like the story that the story is telling kind of thing. well even or perspective in the world because media shapes our perspective a lot too and i mean not to like keep looping it back to that right. but i would think it'd be more dangerous to show a villain of a very relatable light. villain because yeah. i would say that like the closest we've had to that is the joker movie that came out yeah not to like reference it but it was a decent job of showing like this trickle into like or this downward spiral into villainy, yeah. Um, which is hard. It's a hard line to cross because you don't want to show empathy for somebody who is gonna kill parents of a child or whatever. You know, like yeah. as far as like the Batman origin goes, but or things like that, or create anarchy within a, a society. But it is also important to the journey of that villain because that's just realistic. Yeah. The same as it's realistic for a hero to be, come from nothing or whatever, right? Because that's how it happens in modern day. Or which, I don't know, like. This is a side topic because it's more about... But anyway, one thing that I notice about the hero story, it's like this It's this paradox. It's self-contradictory because you always have the, nothing, the zero to hero story where they come from humble roots. They come from nothing. But that gets completely contradicted within the same story like every single time by the fact, by the special destiny thing. Like oh, right. they come from nothing. But at the same time, oh, like their real father is the king. It's like they right. didn't come from nothing then. Like... Yeah, Harry Potter comes from nothing because he's an orphan, but he's got magical powers. Yeah, and he's literally the chosen one. He yeah. did not come from nothing. Same with like yeah, like or like yeah, Star Wars. Like Luke Skywalker is right. He's just a nobody uh, farm. Luke. What's he farm? Something moisture, moisture farmer. He farms um, moisture. <laughs> but no, he's That's he's genius. actually like the son of the most powerful yeah. Jedi in he's the universe. The, also the chosen one. Right. Um, what from Lord of the Rings? Uh, what's Eric? Aragorn, Aragorn is like he's yeah, some humble night rider, yeah, ranger. ranger. But actually, no, he's the king. Yeah, he's always supposed to be the king, right. and he's the only one. It's always that. It's, yeah, it's he's uh, yeah, or like even like Frodo too. Like Frodo, he's just a simple hobbit, but he's got this. He's got the one ring in his possession, like right, and it, it's been in his family history. Like, there's always this. It almost seems sinister to me because it's trying to tell the story of any you could this you could be the hero you could be harry potter it could be anyone while at the same time saying it's completely based on your genetics yes you could be harry potter but you, you have to not be a father. muggle <laughs> yeah right the the muggle cannot be the protagonist in this story it's not gonna be a random person coming from some random place yeah except for in ready player one they do a good job <laughs> do they yeah he oh. kind of like comes from nowhere and he just knows a lot of information yeah the book that I um, have had this happen the worst in um, was The Wheel of Time, which is a beloved fantasy series that's like 14 books long. 
I was wanted to get into it, so I read the first book. And after I read the first book, I'm like, that book was one of the worst books I've read. It was so horrible. And one thing that really I hated about it was the main character had that, you know, coming from nothing, humble story. And I mean, obviously his dad isn't his real dad. That's never the case. No. They always have a secret father. Father's walking out. Yeah. They always, they always they always think their father's dead and turns out their father either is alive and super powerful or is dead and super powerful. But anyway, he goes through, you know, five, six of the book as this bumbling, incompetent person who is really hard to like because he sucks at everything. And then when he finds out his special destiny, it's like a flip switch switches and he becomes without any, without earning it at all, like the God of the universe, basically he becomes this overpowered, like flying through the sky, doing magic stuff that he didn't actually learn. He just activated randomly. It was the stupidest, most unsatisfying thing. So that's like the distillation of what I'm talking about is like trying to tell these two completely at odds themes in the book. Yeah. Come from nowhere, but you are everything and you're what everyone has been waiting for yeah and everybody knew about it but not you because you came from nowhere <laughs> i just wish stories could tell one or the other like that'd be fine but that was it seems like it well i think they want everyone obviously to relate to the main right. character but they also can't be like well it can't be anybody right because you're la- the reader you're lame it can't be you <laughs> so this person has to have a, a lot of powers yeah you can't have those but you can pretend and you can be him <laughs> like so um back, back to american true crime oh yeah what is your or are some of your favorites is it your are you watching things are you reading books are you yeah uh, constantly um yeah so i um i mean one of my favorite like store like books about like is the devil in the white city is phenomenal it's about like the chicago world fair and like 18 18- or no, uh, yeah, yeah, 1883 or something like that, 1893. Yeah. And then H.H. Um, H. Holmes, like the world's, or the America's first serial killer, Uh-oh. who builds like, you've heard, have you heard this story? How could America's first serial killer be 1883? That's not believable. There was definitely a serial killer in seven. But not like docu- like not okay. doc. I mean, it's that's what he's like known for right, to be. Right. So it's like whatever the documentate, like, I don't know, they, they gave it, like he's the first verified one on Twitter, oh, okay. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's got a blue check mark before anybody else did. Like, yeah, sure, there's some celebrities out there, but he's got one. Yeah. Uh, no, but he, um, so he, like, it's, I mean, that book is fascinating because it, it's two separate stories. It's the um, architect and, like, the designer, I guess, I would think you could say about, like, of the World's Fair, where, like, the Ferris wheel was invented or, like, showcased and whatnot. It's, like, the yeah. first World's Fair after the Eiffel Tower was um, showcased in France. Um, so, like, Chicago gets it. Chicago is not a city. It's just, like, a collection of little towns and whatnot. Um, very small. It's just like kind of like a Midwest hub before you go anywhere else. But it's about like how this city, which is why it's called like the second city because the, the fire of the same year, it like burnt down the whole city because they built it like on like a marsh and they built all this wood really quickly because they needed to build a city to showcase, to have to sponsor and to have like this world's fair. It's like if the Olympics was happening and they're like, oh, shoot. Um, we don't actually have a location. It's, we're doing it in Nebraska. Uh, like, yeah. people live here, but we just we need to build a city. That's I don't really know if weird. Nebraska has Why a, would you even don't. get chosen to be there in the first place if they weren't? They, I mean, you sponsor for it. and like, or you, I think New York was a couple years before, so like it just gets passed on. It was like an up-and-coming city, yeah. per se. But um, they, so they, built, they built this city within the course of a couple of years, maybe. But they built it all with wood, or mo- most of it in wood. 
And at the same, so at the same time, it's a parallel story. The book is, this is an old book, so it's probably not relevant to talk about, but it's interesting. Around the same time, a serial killer is moving. I think he moved, he moved somewhere, New York maybe, to Chicago, and he like stole an identity of his, somebody, he murdered somebody, stole his identity, worked in Chicago. He is building a house and keeps changing architects to build this house because he doesn't want them to know what he's building. He builds like a murder house, essentially. Mm, Yeah. I've got one of those. Um, Yeah. (laughs) The hall, the there's hallways within the walls. Oh yeah, there's like trap Classic. rooms. There's like little like yeah, yeah. Um, just just run of the mill man, <laughs> run of your mill Jeffrey Bezos mansion. Um, you walk in, you never leave. Could you get the package at the door? <laughs> Wrong door. It's a trap door to the basement where you yeah. just get stuck in a warehouse for Amazon. And you have to work minimum wage the rest of your life. But no, it was like that. And then um, so what had happened was he was going through with all these murders because all these these girls are coming for the World's Fair. It's a big deal. You go there. You can find job work in all around the country. People come from all over to find workers to showcase their goods, their products, what what have you. It's a huge thing. So these girls are coming from all over the place, leaving their hometowns. Like not much. It's around the time there's not much documentation of how how people got to places. They're dying of dysentery on the way. Yeah, <laughs> just right after the Oregon Trail epidemic, which doesn't get talked about nearly <laughs> enough. That's very fascinating as well. That whole the whole co- that whole route. Um, oh yeah, like in the the two families who ate each other. Yeah, going through the that, there's house. like towns that are built around that now, and yeah. they like they commemorate them. There's like a lake in um, what is it in like Truckee, California? And they're like, yeah, this is Dahmer Lake. And you're like, wait, you mean like where they the families that ate each other and they like, where they got stuck? Like, yeah, it's a town now, uh, <laughs> and like everything's named after the family that was like, yeah, the only family left after a cannibalistic, yeah, couple days, crazy. Now it's like, yeah, you come ski here. It's great. Uh, <laughs> change the name, Ski please. on the corpses of these these people. Yeah, like, guess how this town originated? That is how that town originated. Like, it's crazy. But anyway, like this, uh, like, in Chicago around the time, the um, he creates this house. It's a murder house, essentially. He's taking all these women in. I forgot what exactly happened. Somehow he got caught. Maybe ego. That's always how they get caught. Yeah. But anyway, the town finds out about it, and the town burns his house down. Meanwhile, the World's Fair is about to be happening, and they just built this town. He's in the same area, and they just built this new city of wood, and it's on, and it's in this area that's like a marsh that's like kind of easy to catch fire, like this like grassy marsh is like where Chicago is built off of. They burn his house down, and it like catches fire. In the book, it's like supposed, it's like implied it's related. It might not be, but they're in the same town, so like the whole town goes up in flames, essentially, that they just built for like this World's Fair. And that's why it's called like the second city, Chicago, because it like half like it burned down. Hmm. But it's interesting because it's like also rooted around the same time as like one of the most sadistic serial killers. Wait, they they burned his house down. Did they actually did they catch him too? Did he get, get I like, believe they away? caught him. I forgot. I forgot those details. The the details of the the city just were, took over after that point. Oh. I'm like, all right, they got him. I don't know. Yeah, I want to say they did, or he died. I mean, he's dead now, obviously. Yeah. He died in the Amazon sweatshops. Yeah, he went to Peru, and then he became friends with, in like 50 years, all of the ex-Nazis. Is that actually what happened? No. No, <laughs> no but I just know a bunch of the ex-Nazis. <laughs> right. That's like the place to go. Oh, yeah, and like, like Argentina. Argentina and Peru and shit like that. Yeah. that's Yeah, and you you spend like 20 years living in Argentina, and you move to California. That's Is that like, what happens? Yeah. And then you're just like, hi, I just... You get like, here. you get like, Argentina would like repatriotize you, so they would say you're an Argentinian. 
Oh, okay. And then so you gotta look migrates out. to California as an Argentinian. With blonde hair and blue eyes. You gotta look out for this. <laughs> yeah. And then in California, you're like, I'm just so tan from the beaches. You're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. No, you're just in a shack Argentina, in Argentina yeah. because you didn't have any money because you were just exiled. <laughs> yeah, I think, I don't know, maybe one other reason that we're so fascinated with serial killers and generally like murderous people is that they a lot of the times anyway not all the time some people just appear crazy but a lot of the times they appear so normal like you always have the people like after jeffrey Dahmer is caught his like neighbors they get interviewed and the, the people are like oh, yeah did you like know like have any suspicions like no like he's in like a completely normal guy yeah it's like they always just seem so unsuspected like unsuspected that right. it's, it is them jeffrey Dahmer is a weird one too because he there was like a moment that he was gonna get caught do you read about this? He like I don't know. I don't like his youngest victim, like a twelve year old. He like he used to he would try to zombify people. He would drill into their skulls and it um put some type of chemical, yeah, some type of poison into the skull, so that people wouldn't like be recept like wouldn't have any senses yeah. and could just sit there and be like his sex toy right. or what have you. But like one kid like ran away. I guess he was like bleeding down his face. Oh, and two women. He was, like, it naked. sounds vaguely familiar, yeah. Yeah, and, like, he, like, ran off, and then, like, Jeffrey Dahmer was, like, this is my, like, what, son-in-law or something like that? Yeah. Like, oh, he's just crazy. Meanwhile, like, the kid looks completely different than him. Like, he's 12 years old and naked, first of all, and Jeffrey Dahmer, Blood like, down he neck. might look, he might have come across as fine, but, like, that's a creepy scenario, no matter yeah. what you are. That's, like, you could be a normal person, I'd still be like, why are you with this naked 12-year-old who's bleeding? you 40 year old man like i don't care who what your relation is why is this person naked and running from you um but anyway like the police were just like oh yeah go back yeah, to happens. your house yeah. yeah and like a week later he's caught and this kid's obviously dead but it's like that was like they uh, a lot of circulars have like run-ins where like they were almost yeah. caught and the police were like go back to your usual programming please like ignore this or ted bunny jumps out of his cell oh yeah and runs that was like in the documentary and just yeah, runs away that. And, like, lives on the land for, like, a week. <laughs> like, he comes back with a beard and he, nobody recognizes him. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. That I actually just, was, I was like, okay, go, go, just, Ted. Da, okay. <laughs> he just opens a window and jumps out, like, two stories and just runs. Yeah. Across, like, Colorado. <laughs> like, Yeah. I wonder how much easier it was to be a serial killer or, or get away with crimes generally. I don't know, 60 years ago or 80 years ago. Like, you didn't have, you know, surveillance cameras hardly. And it seems like people are just more lax with what, like, their kids were, were doing. Yep. You know, your 17-year-old daughter goes to a concert, like, a state away. She's gone for the weekend. And you're like, you know, she's just being her, her free self. Like, there's nothing yeah. to worry about. Um, or, like, you know, you've got your nephews running around naked in the neighborhood. So maybe, <laughs> like, for those people who yeah. found that kid, they're like, I mean, this is a relatively normal thing to happen in 1950 or right. 70 or whatever. Uncles chase their kids all the time naked. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they screamed, no, not, no, no, don't bring me back to him. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was definitely, I think, uh, easier or um, than it would be now, I guess, which hopefully is why we don't have as many currently. I mean, just with cell phones, with um, security and technology, I feel like that it makes everything a little safer. It, it doesn't make things more like you're being watched, but from big brother, not from a serial killer right. outside your window. You're just, it's just technology is taking over, but. Yeah, people used to like leave their doors unlocked. Yeah, I I wonder though, like, if it's just like, all in all, going in the, a good direction. Like, it's getting harder to be a serial killer, so there are less serial killers, 
or if it's more like an arms race where it's getting harder to be a serial killer, which means the serial killers must then get smarter and better. So there's maybe it's a constant amount. They're evolving. It's just, yeah, right. You know, it's like you uh, you upgrade your technology at catching serial killers. Serial killers upgrade their tactics. Right. Okay. I mean, okay, yeah, I would say that. That I think that is irrelevant, actually. Like, what? Yeah, like technology and whatnot. Now that I think about it, I'm changing my opinion. It's probably irrelevant because back in the day, like you only know what you have. So back in the day, right. I don't think serial killers were thinking. Oh, it's so much easier because they don't have security cameras. Like they don't yeah. know. Like there's no right. security. They weren't cameras. expecting security cameras to happen. Yeah, like they're right. probably thinking this is hard because I don't know where people are. Right. Whereas now, like at least, okay, there's security cameras, but at least you know, like, like you know where people are, so you right. know if like somebody's home or whatnot. Like you know, everyone knows what everyone's doing. Kind and you of. You got those like police car tracker things. You can. Yeah, you install. can track. Yeah, you know where like police are. Like you know where things are. You know you can. Yeah. So you can, I, like, look up on internet da- databases all this information to learn about, like, all the names of all the police officers yeah. in your precinct. and like, You can hack onto, like, the police database, like, the police uh, yeah. radios and, like, know what they're thinking and doing. Right. If I mean, if you were actually, like, if you were going to evolve as a serial killer. And right. Think if you were going to be things. a really competent serial killer. Yeah. yeah. I would say the thing that probably deters serial killers now is, I mean, this is just, like, a crapshoot maybe, but I think right now we're in this technological heyday. Where we can also in social media hate it, where we can see what everyone's doing, so there's like a little bit more empathy for people. Okay. Whereas, like, I mean, you can the people that you would normally not ever interact with, like, almost seem like your friends. Yeah, they seem. So maybe we have like this mentality in our minds where people are more people. I wonder if that affects people who are you know born with psychopathic tendencies, though. Like, if I like to think so, but if if you are by nature unfortunately more psychopathic than another person. Does that really even affect you? Like, right? If you don't have empathy, yeah. you're not going to have empathy. Right. But I like to think the norm, like the, I think what we'd have to worry about more now is like copycat killers and yeah. like people who aren't notoriety killers and whatnot. Like people who aren't like yeah seriously psychopathic. That... Right. But they're the ones who aren't going to be able to get away with it as easily. Right. Who might be able to do like one like spur murder, but that's it. Yeah. Or yeah, spree murder. There's a difference. I looked this up too because. I... <laughs> I was doing trivia last year with my friends. We like did it like every like once a week. We did trivia like different themes and different hosts. Like the host would choose a theme, but yeah, I looked up like there's a difference between like serial killers. Like you kill three people within a course of a certain amount of time, hmm. three or more. A spur killer, a spree killer, you have to kill if you kill. You kill like the same amount, like three or more, but within the course of like a day or two. Oh, okay. Wait, spur and spree are interchangeable though. I think it's spree. Spree killer? Yeah, spree killer. Yeah. Because like spur would be like spur of the moment. Spur of the moment. But no, but that's, so it's spree killers, but their motive is spur of the moment. Oh, okay. It's less, like that's yeah, how they just like, kill like three people in a day, rather than like, yeah. I'm killing one person every Wednesday. Yeah, it's less methodical and thought out. Right. It's more spur of the moment and like, okay. Or maybe, yeah, maybe even just like, God, I can't think of the word I'm thinking. Chocolate. Chocolate. It's more chocolate. <laughs> it's a little bit sweeter. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. This is what I've been looking up recently because I made the mistake. I was on Reddit and it was like uh, the true crimes Reddit. And it was like, somebody was like, do not listen to this. It'll, it'll ruin your life. And I did. <laughs> uh, of course. I was like, let me listen to that. Yeah. With headphones in at two in the morning. Um, but it was the toolbox killers. Have you heard about them? I don't think so. Um, it's what they, so the toolbox killers were two guys in California in the eight, late seventies, early eighties that would, blast music in their van, kidnap girls, kill them in the back of their van, and, like, dispose of their bodies in, like, the hills in, like, the Santa Monica mountain range or whatever. 
Um, but they, what they have like their notoriety for is that they recorded one of their killings in the back of the van. And it's very graphic and gruesome, and but that's on record because they used it at the court trial for these two guys once they got caught. Mm-hmm. And now they use it as FBI desensitiz- desensitization um, training. Wow. And the guy who was actually like the lead investigator on it for the FBI, for the case, killed himself after hearing it. Wait, oh, is it audio recording? It's an audio recording oh. of like a girl getting murdered. Yeah. I would highly not recommend watching it. Or listening to, or like you can read transcripts and then you can also listen to it. It's not good. Did it's it like ruin seven, your life? I think it did. I think it did. No, <laughs> but yeah. it's like seventeen minutes of just misery. Don't. It took it took them seventeen minutes to kill someone. Well, they tortured. Oh, okay. It's not good. Yeah, that's like um, when you're like twelve and your your friends shows you on the internet like, hey, this this weird video of like two Russian guys literally killing a homeless man with a hammer. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, watch that, and then you're permanently scarred for life. Yeah, and then you always think of it anytime you see a hammer. You're yeah. like, oh, you like cringe a little bit. Yeah. That's like what all those videos are. Like, what's that one? It was like, I remember in middle school, it was being passed around. It's like the seven stages of the candy cane forest. No. Um, it was like the seven, it was like an internet thing. It was like click, it was like seven links, and you had to click through them to get to the end of this website. There's no prize or anything. It's just, just like get you, worse and worse. They get worse and worse. Like, it's like, I think the first video is like two girls, one cop or something like that. And then it like transitions into like, I think this video has been debunked as being fake, but it's like uh, somebody throwing like a toddler into a train track and like getting run over. I think that one was fake, but the rest of them were real. And then there's like another one of somebody like getting like beheaded in like a foreign country and you click them all and you have to like watch them before you can click the next thing. I remember that being like a party thing in middle school. Yeah. I remember there I don't know if it exists anymore, but there was, it used to be this subreddit. I think it was called like Fifty Fifty or something. And oh, where you click a link and it's it would always say like the title, like what you're what you're gonna maybe see, like either fifty percent you're gonna see like spoiler for the latest episode of this TV show, or like literally like a cat being ripped in half. Yeah, and it's like you know, click on it and see which one it is. Not worth it. <laughs> yeah, I remember I saw a video of somebody crossing a freeway. And then a semi truck comes in, and they just got like ripped in half. Yikes! Yeah. So that you see it in movies, but it's so much worse in real life. Yeah, when you know it's when you know it's real special effects, and you're like, oh god, that's how my body would react too. Yeah, that would be anybody. Oof. Instead of just being like, oh yeah, the director chose to do it like that. Yeah. Like no, 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 that's not. No direction took place. That was just how your body. That's just physics. Yeah. So. Do you want to move on to Dark Tours? I feel like this is already in that. <laughs> yeah, that, that it, it, it's very much is. Realm. This this one as well, like when I like said it, I was just kind of like spitballing because I was like, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, we can talk about um, it for a few minutes. Do you want to, um, I guess, maybe self-evident, but do you want to just explain what Dark Tourism is? Yeah, so I mean, Dark Tourism is, I think it's been more recently popularized. It's essentially visiting locations that are haunted. Um, a true crime has taken place there. Um a place that like maybe advertises themselves as somewhere that is like re redoing events of a true crime or a place that looks like it. Like say like, I mean, it'd be like me going to long Island and visiting the Amityville horror house, which I have like things like that, (laughs) (laughs) which I've done on multiple occasions or like visiting, like as even like as simple as like visiting like the insane asylum as kids or something like that, where you like visit like an abandoned place that like had like the tragedy happen. Not so much as like visiting, I guess, like Auschwitz or something, because I think that's more historical than dark tourism. 
Cause okay. that's, I mean, but it would be if that was something that was, I mean, that could probably be considered dark tourism. If you like, I guess it depends on your motivations for going there. Right. I think dark tourism is more like you're fascinated by the gruesome or the, like, yeah, the killer of it. Yeah. Like you're not thinking like, Oh, let me see like the Vic, like, let me pray for the victims who are here. And yeah. Like, let me really think about like what life is. You're going there to be like, all right, what happened here? This yeah. is interesting. Like, yeah, like a lot of houses from for serial killers are like now on like tourist locations, like for cities or whatnot. Like, I mean, just everywhere. Like in places like get off on that. Yeah, I wonder if that's like that. The houses of, of serial killers being tourist attractions. I wonder if that's a really unhealthy thing to exist. Is it, It's almost like in some cases it really is like we were talking about it, like like putting serial killers on a, on a, on a pedestal or like looking up to them or right. like admiring them by giving them so much attention yeah and then like in one way like you want to give them attention so you can like learn about how this happens to people and all that but it can easily veer into idolizing serial killers right which then it just seems like that's a that's a great way to have more serial killers serial killers exist if they can expect to be rewarded by adoration in the future yeah I'll be like oh your house is gonna be like memorialized and you're gonna have people make documentaries about you and like you're gonna have people like writing love letters and even after you die people are gonna be obsessed with you for hundreds of years right but uh, yeah it it is also interesting Uh, this is maybe just some some random piece of information i was i was recently looking up like up upticks in the horror genre and like what makes them because it fluctuates like popularity wise and what makes horror the horror genre more popular besides just like the normal better cgi better story whatnot like that yeah. was that's more irrelevant from like a film perspective not a film perspective but like a like a genre, a genre perspective. yeah because all genres are increasing with yeah like quality and uh, in, in yeah so like CGI that's that's irrelevant that's it. yeah. it's like okay like yeah they're all gonna get better over time based on like whatever you're watching but it's interesting that things similar to dark tourism uh the horror genre when things are safer in the world they t- it tends to spike like yeah. the popularity when people feel more at ease and comfortable they tend to watch horrors and um in like darker things right. which is right now like i think people are feeling a little bit more safe like i mean just as far as like otherworldly things like we're not at almost we're not at war with anyone yeah which is when like popularity for like heroism and comedies come into play when people just need something to think about like either saviors or laugh yeah um so in the last like maybe 10 years it's been more like horror has kind of like gone through a little re- like re- revival similar to how it was in the 90s where it was like all right there's nothing really to worry about as far as like other places go so like yes yeah. um so it's interesting to see like all these crime documentaries that are coming out and it's nothing new like these are crimes from like the 70s so then you're saying in some way that the more like horror movies and almost like the, the more obsession there is with serial killers that's at least in one way like a factor an identifier of like a healthy yeah maybe that's a good civilization thing. yeah like okay here's something like that's things are going not well happening right now yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't think people would research ted bundy if there's another serial killer on the loose right now as much or i mean maybe they would but it'd be from a different perspective yeah. they wouldn't they'd be like oh god am i gonna be a victim right what what do serial killers think like but right now it's more like oh interesting how is that possible yeah so you're saying then also that like in war-torn countries or where like genocides are happening or and all that horror is not a popular genre. I would say no. Like why would Yeah. I would not want to watch Yeah, you would just want don't want to be reminded of the shit that's ha- Yeah. outside your window. I mean cuz if you like if you look up like um 
movie popularity genres and whatnot, they tend to spike. Like if we're in war, it's comedies. It's like yeah. Marvel. It's it's lighthearted movies that make that there's an uh, protagonist who is relatable and it's you. Yeah. And you are the protagonist. Things are going well. Those movies still exist, but they're less. They don't need to punch as hard. They don't need to tell you that things are happy. They yeah. can kind of just like experiment with like dark humor and whatnot because people are, accept that into their lives because they don't have it going on everywhere they walk. So yeah, like horror takes like a big upswing when things are going a little smoother hmm. and people feel less like they're going to be bombed. So then that brings in another factor of why people might be so into serial killers or murderers. Not because I already mentioned maybe the innate desire for violence or like some sort of small amount of wanting to experience it yourself and then you were talking about um, or like we were talking about wanting to understand them but maybe it also comes down to or maybe more comes down to a certain craving for fear like you you have a certain amount of fear that you want to experience so then then you're saying like right here like if you're in a situation where you're not experiencing enough fear you go seek it out by getting too into serial killers and that makes you afraid or getting into horror movies that makes you afraid right and then when you when you're living in fear you don't need more of it yeah, you need yeah, you need less. You need to counter that. Yeah. So maybe we all have like some type of like tipping balance for emotions or for some like yeah, some ideal fear level yeah, yeah that we it's like, are trying to satiate. Today was great. Let me go terrify myself a little right. bit. Yeah. But you no, know, it's kind of true. Like you don't want to if you're having a bad day, you're not gonna be like, let's put a horror movie on. Yeah. Like you're gonna want to put a comedy movie on or like something that's like stupid or just in the background, you're not going to want to watch Saw and have somebody ripped apart in front of your eyes after like having the worst day at work in your life. Yeah. Unless you'd like that, then <laughs> maybe get some help. I don't know. <laughs> but that seems to be less normal. Yeah. If you just answer like having shit day with more shit. Yeah. Put the fear on top of the fear. Yeah. It's like an energy balance that you seek out without realizing it. Yeah. And I mean, I guess it's also probably true that it's not just generally fear you got different like ways of expressing it because you might want to seek out some fear some like uncertain excitement but maybe you don't want to do it through horror movies like really ever in your life because there are plenty of people who just kind of all the time hate horror movies yeah but they might still want to express their need for fear in other ways like by dating people who are awful for them or or, it's a different type of horror more psychological but or maybe traveling to a different country like being on their own like not knowing what to do in a new environment or something like that yeah like more like they could gravitate towards more adrenaline yeah oh yeah like skydiving or that's whatever rather than going to see saw seven or i don't know how many saws there are there's a lot i think they've stopped numbering them now the last one is just called jigsaw oh okay yeah i think for me though i uh definitely have a lower desire for horror than you do i think maybe part of it was that i was exposed to horror too young i remember being like five or something and and you guys were all watching a bunch of horror movies all october long and i did not want to be there for it and i don't know it's like being like five or six like you you don't want to be alone either so it's like what do you choose just sit sit by yourself in a different room or be with the rest of your your family watching horrific movies sit by yourself while hearing screams (laughs) of terror from the movie in the next room yeah so i'm not that big into horror i do like the psychological thrillers and the ones that are more about like less about gore and less about like um jump scares but more about like a feeling of like unease i guess yeah those would definitely be like the get outs or like the 
Yeah. They have a story islands. to tell. And they're yeah. not just trying to scare you. It's yeah. not, yeah. What is it? Like gore, gore porn? Is that, or whatever. What are the Saw ones categorized? That's probably right. I don't Something know. similar to that. I've never seen any of the Saw movies. I've seen them all. They're, I, I just knew I that, know that they weren't really for me. But. I've seen them through covered eyes. I always hold my hands up on my on my face. like, <laughs> And then I just like, it's pinch yeah. my eyes out of it every once in a while. So I can see it most. I actually look at it the whole time, basically. But I will have yeah. it under just in case something. <laughs> I don't like seeing bone. So if there's a bone, I'm, I'm out. Oh, yeah. Got passionate about talking about it and I slammed the table. <laughs> See, it always happens. <laughs> I didn't know it would be me talking about Saw. Yeah, actually, I don't like them. I just watch them. I actually watch them for the plot. And they have good plots? No. Oh. But I was curious about what how the plot was. So I remember I watched all of them a couple years ago in like two days. I just watched them all. Yeah. Or like Purge. Like I don't really have an interest in seeing Purge very much. Oh, I loved I Actually, like I think I saw the first one at theaters. It seems like those movies are just watch people die. The concept was it had a good concept, but it didn't go anywhere. But the concept was like kind of fascinating to big. Well, that, that yeah, the I concept of the, the purge was along the lines of what I was saying is people have some base desire for like savage violence that they want to commit, right? And then so the government is giving them one day of the year to do that. Yeah, the first one I remember the trailer was a lot less horror. I thought it was gonna be more like psychological. like psychological thriller horror type of thing where it's like what would you do if you if no laws existed for 20 or for 12 hours but instead and now it's just that that whole genre of that or that franchise is just all right everyone's just you go outside you're being murdered and i don't think that would actually be the case i don't think people would kill people if they had 12 hours i think it'd be more robberies and maybe death by associate like just maybe jeffrey bezos would die but that's if we're lucky. Um, <laughs> no, but I think it'd be more like it'd be more financial. It would be way less just about killing somebody because they said you looked fat the week before. Yeah, it'd be all like the Target employees going to Target and stealing everything. Yeah, and you'd steal what you know because you you're not going to go in somewhere because no one's going to buy a bomb for the purge. Well, some people. If you can, I mean, if you can't buy it the days before, how are you? Oh, like, that's true. That's true. Well, you buy it on Purge Day one year, save it for Purge Day the next year. That would be smart. You just plan. You just stock up. Yeah. Whenever I think of the purge, I, I, my mind more goes to the Rick and Morty episode of the planet that has the purge. Have you, have you no, seen that? I have not. Oh, okay. It's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting because they, there's a planet that does purge and it's like a thing, I guess, in the galaxy. And they stop by because, like, Rick wants to show Morty. Morty isn't into it, but he's like, it's cool. Like, you just get to kill people. And then, you know, it, it the plot <laughs> turns into. Like there's this group of the rich people, probably like in Purge too, a group of the rich people right. who are profiting off of this and like all the peasants are killing themselves and the rich people are just, you know, maintaining the status quo. So then they kill all the rich people and then they're like, well, what, how do we rebuild our society now? And they're like, like I could grow food, but I'm not just going to give it to you for free. So like someone should pay me for it. And this one's <laughs> like, well, I'll pay you for it, but like, but I, I'm going to make the bread and like... Who's gonna count the? Who's gonna count the bread? Who's gonna like? So like, becomes, well, I'll do that too. So they just become the same exact the same civilization st- that they had in the, <laughs> the first place. And like maybe to get all this, like they start beating each other up. Like maybe to get all this frustration out, we ought to schedule one day a year. To, like and then it just same it's the same thing. thing. Yeah, that's actually genius. Yeah, because that's what would happen. Like everyone who talks about like socialism, things like that. Like in like not in the purest way, just in like a oh yeah, take. I I need more. Yeah, it's like all right, where does that stop? Right, not to get political, but that's. It is funny to see, like, that's how things just kind of circle back. You're like, right, right it's, well, it's like a vicious cycle. Like, if you do manage to overthrow this regime and you find yourself in power, you're just going to take advantage of 
your, right. your place of power. Or someone's always going to have a good that is more valuable. Right. And that's, that is going to be the currency that holds the most value and everyone's going to want it. Yeah. How do you, that person's going to be more wealthy. No yeah. matter what that wealth is, it's, there's always going to be somebody who has something that somebody else wants. Yeah. And yeah, I guess it's kind of a fatalistic way to look at it. But also at the same time, you could try, like maybe acknowledge that to some degree, there's always going to be some amount of inequality, but how do you lessen as much as possible? Because it might be unrealistic to, to think that you could ever completely equalize everything. You could ever make it a perfect situation where nobody has more power than another person. Oh, yeah. It would be impossible. And if, like, inevitably, just th- through shitty human nature, like, if somebody has more power than another person, they're going to be a dick about it. Like, they're going to use it to their benefit and to someone else's detriment. Unless we all have the same perspective and the same reality. And that's been our show, folks. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that, I guess to get there, maybe the way is just brainwashing people, but we're like. And then there's just one person in charge. Yeah. Or, or yeah, like making, t- turning everybody into one person. Or, right. Like making a hive mind kind of thing. Yeah. Plug everyone into the internet and now everyone's consciousness is shared. And now like you literally all have the same goal because you are the same person now. That'd be interesting if you had all the information, but then also all of the consciousness. I wonder if, if life would even be worth living in that situation though. Like if you're the only experiencing thing, what do you even do for fun? Yeah, how are you gonna murder? <laughs> but I mean, like, what? You're just gonna you can you can go look at cool things. You could build cool things, but like, how long until that gets boring? Right. Like maybe it's other people are are the only thing that makes life interesting. Well, that's even how I feel now. Just with all the information we have, is like, all right, you can like even going past like tourist destinations, say like on a road trip. They're like so busy and overpopulated, and they're like, oh, yeah. this looks cool. And then you think about it, like I was, I want to see like these waterfalls in Oregon like two weeks ago and it was so busy just to get to them. And I was like, all right, I've seen these online. I know what they look like. <laughs> yeah. These people are all taking a picture. That's going to probably be lesser quality of what's online. Yeah. I'm sure it looks beautiful in real life, but I've seen a waterfall in real life. This yeah. is just two waterfalls with a bridge in the middle. Like it's the iconic, like Oregon waterfall thing. Everyone's seen it on a picture, but I was like, do I want to wait like an hour to find parking in a spot? That's like a pull off right from the road. No hiking involved. You just see it. Yeah. Just to take a picture that's been taken a million times, it's like that. It's like, all right, where is it? when is this going to end? This this new information being presented to you is that when is it going to be too much, or yeah. I just don't want to see anything in the world because it's already been seen. Everything's been seen and touched and done. Right. Like, what are you going to bring to that? It's like when people take pictures at certain places. I'm always kind of confused. I'm like, okay, like somebody's taken that picture before. You can see that. Right. They want to feel ownership over that picture, I guess. Or like, I mean, I do the same thing, but it's I catch myself while I'm taking a picture without me in it or without a friend in it. It always fe- feels weird to be taking a picture of something that has been t- yeah. documented already, because you're like, what's? And it's from a lower quality because I'm sure whatever you're taking a picture of that like you has been a professional out. photographer who has a yeah. way nicer camera. And you probably saw, and like especially now with like Instagram, you probably saw it online which made you have the idea to go see it in real life. Yeah. And then you saw it in real life and you're taking a picture of it, but that picture you've already seen. So why are you even bothered? Why are you documenting it? Yeah. If the whole point of you seeing it was for you to see it because you hadn't seen it in real life, why take another picture? Why take another video if you've already seen it in a picture or a video? I mean... <laughs> Just to remind yourself that one time you were there. You were there. Yeah. I, I like I I did go to Chichen Itza. I mean that's what I use mine for. Like I'll like scroll through. Like when did I go there? I'll scroll through yeah. my photo album. But I catch myself when I'm taking pictures or videos. Like 
you're not gonna what are you gonna do with this like this has already been done it's not so much that the picture itself matters it's like the log of your experiences right it's just like a easier way to write a diary entry yeah just click yeah all right i was here yeah and then you remember it because you see the picture and you remember what you're doing how you're feeling and memories attached to that i can look at my pictures of chichen itza and know that like that day was super fucking hot i was like dying we didn't have any water yeah and like but it was cool but yeah you see somebody else's picture of that you're probably like oh yeah they had a great day yeah because you don't know their experience right so I i guess there's some value but it does make me think that like maybe all human interest or like interest you have in something is in a way just manufactured by other people like a little bit i mean if somebody sees something cool i want to see that right and then like you want to see it because somebody else thought thought it was was cool and they they thought it was cool because somebody else like your own desires don't actually come from you they just come from the the basically the equivalent of the hive mind that already exists just the mass of humans deciding arbitrarily what's interesting and what's not but it's also like equally depressing when you go visit somewhere like i tend to i like to travel by myself more so than with other people. Yeah. I honestly get not upset, but just annoyed with when I'm traveling with other people because we'll see things that somebody wanted to see yeah. and I have no interest in it. It could be the coolest thing in the world or not, but it's like, I didn't, I didn't want to see that in my mind. I didn't know it existed or in my mind, I saw it in a picture and thought, okay, I could do without that in my life. But it's, it's like depressing to go somewhere that should be cool. Or that's like a destination that people go to. And you're like with other people who want to see it and you don't want to see yeah, it. You're just not interested. And it makes that experience. You're like, I don't want to take a picture. Yeah. I don't want to be here. And then in your mind, you're like, I was never here. Yeah. Yeah. I guess traveling alone is definitely the way to maximize your, your freedom. Just do the things that you want without having to like wait on anyone else's schedule or deal with anyone else's illness or anyone else's i'd say contradictory desires to yours it's definitely the ideal way to travel in my opinion besides maybe like dating someone who has the same opinions as you or the same uh desires i guess i think maybe the way i see it is that traveling solo is better in maybe maybe better in the moment but worse after the fact because what do you what do you how do you relive those memories like if you tell someone else about the thing that you saw alone right. they don't really understand it and you can often in my experience anyway when i do it i feel like i'm coming off as a douchebag like look at this thing i did um but if you go with someone then at least you have one other person you can relive it with and like remember that time we were there and neither of you feels like a douchebag for bringing right. up your traveling experiences right but then while you're there it's like yeah but i, I would have liked to do, to climb up this this yeah. really difficult mountain trail and you didn't want to so we didn't yeah. yeah, so I guess in the moment, it's better. Or to just keep some stories to yourself. Like sometimes, people yeah. like sometimes people ask you stories and then you tell them. Other times it's like, all right, that was my trip. Right. It, that was for me. Yeah. Uh, they don't need to know. Or like the people you travel, like you find out, like or you become friends with while traveling. They ask stories because you're asking them about where they were before. Right. And now it's like this, that is the common. Yeah, doing it in that context is, is not douchey anymore because you're both right both travelers while traveling like you can tell each other stories and it'd be different if you were just like this single person who traveled by themselves all the time and then came back to like a group of friends yeah and then you're like i was in Paris. guess where i was last weekend <laughs> and no one asked and no like everyone saw you posted it everyone's like okay and then you just tell them stories that's super douchey yeah because i know people who've done that and you're just like could we not yeah. like, we all saw it and you're like oh it was so much better over there but and you're like all right leave like <laughs> yeah so what um dark tourism spots aside from the uh amityville horror house that you visited 
Um, I, I feel like I haven't visited that many. I've gone to a few places that are like considered like haunted. I mean, like the Queen Mary in Long Beach is considered haunted. I wouldn't, I don't think that's a dark tourism spot because they have like events there a lot of the times. Or else, I mean, the, um, that house we saw a few years ago in San Francisco. The one with all the weird, unnecessary yeah. rooms? That's technically like a dark tourism Was there a murder there? They did say there was no, supposed to be a ghost. Um, yeah, it's like that. haunted. It's like haunted yeah. places are like considered like dark tourism. But like somewhere, somewhere like that, like people who are like fascinated by like yeah. horror would go there. You wouldn't go there just for fun to be like learn about architecture. Yeah. Maybe, actually, maybe you would because it's weird, but. I mean, it's really impractical architecture. Yeah. They just built a bunch of, they just built a bunch of houses so that they could say they had that house with the most rooms in it or yeah. something like that. Well, it was uh, the Winchester. Yeah, the Winchester. Um, and she was terrified because like, somebody put a curse on her family. She thought oh, they, yeah, they yeah. made they produced guns, and so the wife of Sir Winchester, Mary, no, I don't know what her first name That's was. Supernatural, anyway. Mary Winchester. <laughs> Is that okay? Never mind. Um, but yeah, she thought that all of the murder victims of the guns that her family produced were going to uh-huh. haunt her in the house, and then someone that. cursed her and told her that she needed to keep building so that they can't find her. Oh, so she can hide in her labyrinth. House. So yeah, so she literally was. She kept building until the day she died. Like she kept having architects build hallways. Wow, because I for, had forgotten that that backstory of, of the house. Weird. I just remembered being in the house, and it's like, and she was like five foot two. So like some of the like places are super short. So you like yeah. duck in the hallway. It's like this leads to like the grand bedroom, but it's like why is the hallway so short? Oh, there used to be another hallway, but it's blocked off now because this is the next addition to the hallway. Yeah, I just remember the tour guide being like, oh, did you guys see the ghost? I just saw it. And then, of course, nobody was looking, so yeah, nobody saw it. Yeah. I guess even uh, what Salem, Massachusetts would be considered like a dark tourism area. Yeah. Um, which I would love to visit one day. Um, Is there anything to visit there? They do like a, during like Halloween, they do like a Salem Halloween. They do a reenactment like of a bunch of girls yeah, getting so they murdered. actually, they take every virgin in the village <laughs> and they burn them at, st- no, I don't know. That's a terrible to joke about because that's like a, that was a terrible thing. That's also brushed over like the witch trials. Like we Wait, totally so, go over that and like we re- we read the Crucible in English class. But it's like it's interesting to think that it's all the people who are like witches don't exist. But during the witch trial, they did, and it's like what? Okay, so we're gonna ignore the fact that we don't that we as a society don't believe in witchcraft, but we're gonna also talk about how like those weren't just regular women that we burned at the stake. <laughs> what those were just like free-spirited women we just burned to the stake and yeah. consider them witches i don't say we i don't want i'm not part of that i'm saying as a yeah a country i guess if i have to or humanity i guess humanity yeah i was listening to a different podcast um about witch burning and apparently in the, the middle ages there were at least um, like forty thousand confirmed cases of witch witch burnings yeah that's ridiculous and they were all just they were literally like i swear if you probably looked up like what they did the week before they probably said no to some suitor yeah, like there was probably some guy who like, or they're just like a town outcast, like yeah, they're, or town they're an outcast, old like, widow that's that, weird. Like, you know, why do they have a black hat? Like what? Yeah, there there was one. Um, that's not a thing that that I remember. Well, there's one that I remember of a group of three cats would hang out by this one person's house. Oh no! And uh, one of the cats had like a scar, which you know so happened to correspond with a, a, the location of a scar on an old woman's body. So like. She's one of the cats. She's been transformed into a cat at night. Right. So then they killed her and her two friends because, you know, logic goes, her cat friends are her real life friends. Checks out. So with they, one scar, they're like, that's all we need. Yeah. Yeah. So then they killed them all. <laughs> the chance that there's three Animagus, that's ridiculous. <laughs> they got to be registered. Yeah. 
it was pretty ridiculous. And there was this one, there's this one guy who was a, a famous witch hunter, and he had this trick where, um, you know those like play, those drama school daggers yeah. that just plunge into your body because yeah. they go under the handle. He had a syringe that did that, and his his rule was that we know they're a witch if you don't draw blood. So he would use the syringe, and the blood would come out. Yeah. Oh. So he'd be like, look, that's how, because he, he knew he was a charlatan, but he would do yeah. it for money. Because towns would like pay him lots of money to prove that someone's a witch. And so he'd just go them. around murdering women at towns? Yeah. Or, like, get, or getting wh- them murdered? Yeah, whoever the town accused of, of witchcraft, he would, you know, just he prove would, yep. that they're a witch and then get paid for it. That's Because that probably happened all the time. That yeah. was probably how they... He was some Scottish guy who would go around all of England doing oh, this. The Scots, I tell you. And then they finally found out that he was a fraud. So they chased him out of town and he didn't like die or anything. He just... You know, lived the lived next town. The, well, he he had like had to retire, basically, right. with all his riches. But he had he had an assistant. He's <laughs> like, I guess I'll retire now. Or like a sidekick, um, Igor. His name's Igor. Who, for some reason, they didn't think you're this guy's sidekick, so you're probably also fake. They, that person continued their career. <laughs> I tell you what, people were stupid back then. Yeah. I, okay, that's one thing I think a lot. People were stupid back then, but then it's like, wait a minute. Aren't we just equally as stupid now? Like, yeah, we just ha- we have more widely available information. Yeah, but like the base like logic and critical thinking skills that a human has, I feel like might be consistent over time. Oh yeah, they're the same. We just have more. I mean, we just have more information. Or like, like we, we, Google, we have like, more of a structure, a or like in- institutions to like prevent our stupidest acts. Right, because like, we've done them. So there's precautions in place but yeah right. we don't burn witches you guys we've we've gone through this yeah like for all, for all the horrible faults of like the legal system at least we have something in place it's like any amount of evidence like there needs to be one thing yeah where it used to be just like i say she's a witch so she is she floats or no they say oh that was the, that was the another stupid thing like the monty python yeah sketch if they float you know they're a yeah. witch if they sink to the bottom and drown you know they were innocent so either way they die so they die yeah <laughs> They float like a human floats. Yeah. They die. So, so you're like, oh, you're a witch. Like, we're going to burn you now. And then they happen to not be a good swimmer and drown. Well, now that you know they were innocent. Yeah. It's interesting that nobody ever spoke up on that. Who could swim in the village? Like, no child was like, I can, I can float. I float all the time down that river. I mean, it was probably like a, you know, like precursor to McCarthyism. Like, if you spoke up. You're, you're afraid you're of speaking up because then yeah. somebody's going to accuse you of com- being a communist or being a witch or whatever it right. is. The witch trials. Yeah. What a joke. Did, have you watched that um, Netflix show, Dark Tourist? Yeah. They, he goes to a lot of them, but in like a lot of different countries. And... Right. I don't remember most of them, but I remember he goes to this one place where they do like voodoo and they uh, like kill like chickens and stuff. And then they, you have to like bathe in or, like, okay. the, the blood. And then it's one of those situations where the people have like like spirit possession rituals where the like people get, get in a group and all like dance and then somebody at a certain uh, whenever they feel like the spirit is taking them they start acting crazy and like self-mutilating themselves so he went to go witness those festivals those are weird too because what's going on in that person's mind they're like only put on a good show or do they really get into it that much where they think that that is that they're they're I mean, being possessed or whatever. Like, there's. I wouldn't put it past people to actually believe it and then act it out. And then act, I'll be like, "Oh, that was uh, yeah, that was me." Like, it's it's like the perce- perception, um, perspective and reality thing. Like, if you, right. if you do believe that the spirit possession is a thing, then why can't it happen to you? Yeah. In that moment, right. When it's being celebrated and whatnot, especially. Yeah. 
and that's like the time of year or month or however often it happens for like to invite these spirit possessions right. in so it's like it's gonna happen to someone now it's probably gonna happen to you now that is another thing like um that's brushed over in our history is all of the diagnosable mental illnesses that were also considered like religious yeah like shortcomings like oh yeah this person's in bed all the time they must there must be a demon right like that's and that's something people still think now like di- like people who are super religious they like don't take into consideration a provable fact of mental right. illness yeah they're like oh yeah there's uh my son has a demon in him or like the, oh they're depressed or like <laughs> there's like demon possession or just pray things like that it's just ridiculous like how that how we see that as normal if yeah. you talk to somebody religious and you you like kind of brush that aside like as if eh, they're not crazy like okay yeah they told somebody to like pray and they'll feel better right uh but that, meanwhile it's like considered normal yeah but like that is ridiculous like okay like I mean, oh, it's yeah, equally you... as ridiculous as the, the spirit possession ceremonies. Like, yeah, they're both ridiculous. And then it's just because we grew up in this culture where it's been normalized that we can look at a culture in like Ghana that does the spirit possession and think that's stupid, where I'm sure any other civilization unaccustomed to ours thinks like, you know, what we do is stupid. That, yeah. That we think when somebody's depressed, it's because there's a demon. It's like, no, like that's obviously not what's happened. Yeah. I mean, luckily we don't think that or not everyone thinks that now. Yeah, I don't think there's very, I don't think you, there's a prosperous industry of priests going around, like, exercising people anymore. But that was, that was a a big thing, like, schizophrenic, like, people with schizophrenia, I was like, oh, you see somebody, okay, yeah, that's, like, a devil is inside of you. Yeah. And, like, (laughs) that, I mean, I'm sure the people who were, like, acting it out were probably, like, okay, like, yeah, let me put on a show for them, I don't even know, or, like. I mean, if they believe it, too. If they believe, yeah. It'd be, like, a, um, a placebo, like, the, yeah, the exorcism ritual could be a placebo effect to somebody who is both has this mental illness and believes that it is a demonic possession and then they just hide it for the rest of their lives once they see it coming back so they're like okay (laughs) yeah or you know they're a repeat offender like right this person is prone to demonic possession oh yeah that's true happens all the time another one yep gotta do the monthly visit to stacy's house to yeah sprinkle some holy water on her cheeks that's something that i've always been curious and fascinated about is like ghosts and demons and whatnot but i've but i my fascination comes from i don't see how people can believe it yeah and i would love to like people who are like i saw ghosts and whatnot like especially like i think in la where i've lived like the longest like people are very spiritual there yeah and people love to like i mean they talk about signs and whatnot which i don't disprove or whatever i'm just like i i'm very like a skeptic towards anything right especially with things i can't see like ghosts and whatnot so people tell me like oh like that place is haunted i'm always more curious about like well no it's not like it's yeah. not haunted like that because oh, in my opinion all those things they come from something right like a haunted building in my head is always okay no something happened there that a neighbor said in that now okay yeah there was like a loud howling one night okay like they got a, a bad a reputation and, and now in, yeah. like the cultural psyche people perceive it to be haunted right. so like you feel weird around it yeah because everyone else feels weird around it yeah but like people believe that sometimes like like in a lot of the times places that are haunted it's always from like somebody kill themselves there yeah and people don't understand that and they get very like anxious about that and then it becomes oh that place is haunted somebody died and their whole family moved out like some tragic it's always some tragic event that, like or just some complete naivety of like what it is like oh yeah that place is just loud like all right 
Yeah. There's just some domestic violence happening. That house is haunted. Don't go to that house on the street. You hear it as a kid all the time. Like you're like, don't go to that house. You think that house is creepy. It's always like the house that's creepy is like the one that like has problems going on. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that even in like the nineties, like think about that fifty years ago. That was probably that house is haunted. The house is creepy. We don't know who lives there. They yeah. work at night. They're always, there's yelling. That must be haunted. Like we don't know who they are. Yeah. Like, things like that. Like, the wind goes through the windows just right to make this creepy howling noise. Yeah. Or like, you know, there are rats in the walls. So you think that's a ghost. Yeah. And then they move. And then the ever in the neighborhood's like, that house is probably haunted. Yeah. And then it becomes a haunted house. And then, or yeah, because like there's this perception in the neighborhood that the house is haunted. The realtors have trouble selling the house. So it just goes abandoned for the next right. 60 years, which confirms even more that it's a yeah. haunted house. And everyone's like, no one wants to buy that house. It's like, oh, no, wait, <laughs> it's just the realtors having a hard time, guys. Like, yeah. It's like putting the cart before the horse. Like you decided it was haunted. Now it's haunted. Yeah. Rather than like finding out that it is haunted, which I mean, it's not. Yeah. Because yeah, a lot of times like realtors, I mean, it's harder to sell a house that somebody like died in. Yeah. So as soon as somebody dies in a house, it's a haunted house. Right. Not not per se, like not in the modern day as much because yeah. it's like that stuff is like people die all the time in their houses and we know about it because we are more connected. But like back then, if you didn't know somebody who was living somewhere and somebody just died and then like the family moves out because like somebody died in the house, like you're going to be like automatically assuming like it's haunted. Yeah. One thing that always gets me about ghost belief that I just think is crazy is like if I talk to someone who says they believe in ghosts. And then ask them, you know, why? Why do they believe in ghosts? And they tell me a story of this one time that they saw or claimed to saw, see a ghost. And then I ask them other questions like, how do you know it was a ghost? Um, like, what exactly did you see? And then, I just like, could it, could it have been this? Could it have been this? Like, why do people's minds go to probably one of the least likely scenarios when, for instance, this, this is one somebody told me. They uh, were, like, at their friend's house and they're having a sleepover and they knew their dad was in this other room. And they saw someone walk past. And there was only those two people, the dad. So it couldn't have been the dad. It couldn't have been the other person because they both saw it. Right. And my mind is like, why is it so impossible to believe that there was somebody else in that house? Yeah. Like a human being. Or the dad walked. Or, or it was the dad. You you thought yeah. you knew where the dad was. Like but he's in the computer room, but he got a snack. Yeah. Or he's a sleepwalker. You know, yeah. you thought he was asleep. He's a sleepwalker. Which that's more terrifying than ghosts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or like, yeah, like. There are little literal reported cases of people living in some house's pantry for five years without the owners noticing. Oh yeah, that's creepy. That is that's more creepy yeah. than a ghost. That's terrifying. Like that one supernatural episode where they go to the haunted house and realize it's a real person who's living in the walls. That was one of the most horrifying episodes I've seen. It's not even that scary of a show, but like compared to all I don't the think other I've seen that one, but I've it's like season three or something. Oh, maybe I have then. I think you've probably seen it. Okay. Um but that's that's scary. So like I feel like if we're gonna, you know, have kind of a lack of evidence all around and we're judging what scenario is more plausible it seems obvious that it's just more plausible that there was somebody like freebooting or like um stowing away in right. your house without your knowledge then it's literally a ghost yeah yeah that does seem yeah and then when i bring that up to people for some reason like, they're like no I, I just feel like it was a ghost like my personal experience tells me it was a ghost like why do you trust your personal experience so much have you seen more ghosts yeah or like like don't you know like the like inherent unreliability of eyewitness testimony like people will claim that they saw yeah. this thing happen and it gets someone put in jail and then 20 years later it is conclusively found out that that person did not do that thing and then the test yeah. like the eyewitness testimony was just incorrect didn't they do like a uh, like a study on that like they did like an eyewitness like report like a analyzing like a test 
and they like had people like look at people and like not even like 10 minutes later like describe yeah. who that person and like no one could it's like a drastic drop off yeah in your memory kind yeah of, like, like if you don't think you have to look for something you're not going to look for it yeah like when the police officers ask you what color shirt was he wearing you're like uh, blue and he was yeah. wearing a, a dark like yeah. unless you like saw a person or white or whatever like do an actual but like the eye most of the eyewitnesses like they saw somebody run from a building yeah which happens all the time you see somebody run from a building or walk away from somewhere and even if you saw like. someone like five feet away from you stab a man in the chest, are you gonna remember his face? Like, no, you're gonna look at the person being stabbed and be like, oh, my, or the stabbing, and you're like, there's blood. Like, yeah. You're not gonna be like, he had a scar and blue eyes. Right. You can like find a lineup, and even the real guys in there, and you might not pick them out. Right. So like, how can you be so sure that you saw a ghost of all things? I always wonder with the lineups, where do they get the other people? I think they do like the um, they ask witnesses or whatever. Like what the guy looked like, and, and they, they just go, pick guys who look like and that. Like, we need to bring you in. Like they bring like ten people in. Like yeah, they have like one of them or two of them who are actual suspects, right. and they just bring in people who look similar. Okay, so that they can and they're allowed to do that. They're like, we can bring you in. I don't know if it's. I think it's probably voluntary. Like oh, okay, like do you mind if we bring you in the station? And if yeah. they're innocent, like yeah, probably. sure, yeah, okay. I, For I, some I mean, reason, I always thought it was like look like actors, and they know who the. I mean, it could it could be that I guess. Okay. I mean, I feel like that's their way of trying to like put in some like falsification of the setting or into the thing where like the police officers know it's not those three guys. Like right. they don't make any sense. Well, cause they, yeah, they know they're not like looking for the witness. So if, if, if the witness points out one of those guys, they're an unreliable witness. Maybe that's what right. they're hoping for. So they're, they're like, we can't. Yeah. They're trying to build in some sort of like, can we trust this witness? Right. But that's even, why I always thought it was like one person. The other nine are just lookalikes they found who like, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's probably what it call is. Call a yeah. background service, like call an acting agency, and get yeah, all get get all these guys like with brown hair and mustaches. Yeah, and that are six foot. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then they like just are like, yep, that's on the budget. It's just like stand-ins for uh, <laughs> yeah, the witnesses. But even when they do that, this, it's still not reliable because you have like DNA evidence show that the person who the witness accused was not the person. Right. Yeah. Have you seen Making a Murderer? Yeah, I think. Yeah, not the last two episodes. Of what the second season? Because there's two. Oh, seasons. I didn't watch the second season. Oh, so you haven't seen the last two episodes? I honestly of the first just season. got annoyed at their accents. I oh. know that's the Wisconsin accent, but I can't stand it. <laughs> yeah, it's the Manitowoc County accent. Yeah, it's stuff. bad. I mean, it's bad. It's real bad. <laughs> can't yeah. stand it. Oh yeah, they're they're God. pretty unintelligible a lot of time, especially the parents, like in in that family. The older. It was just hard to follow. I had to have subtitles on and everything. Yeah, and I was like, I'm from. Well, for me, it two was, hours from this place. It was just like extremely frustrating to. To watch, even like even if uh, Stephen Avery did do the thing, there is still complete um, colluding on the part of the police. Oh right! Like they were still doing, yeah, s- sketchy shit. They were covering up stuff, like and and like they were signing like you know they're forging people's signatures on documents, and they were like specifically gunning to get this pr- guy in prison, even if he wasn't guilty, because right. they had beef with him. See, in my perspective, I I feel like I. I think this is actually why I stopped watching it. I'm less interested in in that type of um, not even conspiracy, just like um, like I, the the police being the corrupt police, yeah, and like, like getting like um, cor- false confessions, yeah, that kind of thing. Like corruption, I feel like interests me less because I I feel like it's so obvious it's yeah. happening all around us all the time that like I don't want to watch a documentary about police corruption because yeah. like okay, yeah, uh, that's obvious. Like that's yeah, like <laughs> okay, like. I'm more fascinated by like the serial killer and like what they did. And I'm like, Oh, what they, how? Yeah. Cause to me, I'm like, that's more fascinating. So I think that's why I stopped watching that one. Cause I'm like, it's about, now it's about the police in this County. 
being corrupt. Yeah. Which happens in every fucking county. This definitely went from real reality and perspective to like tr- just true crime and like horror. Yeah. It's going to be a Halloween episode. Uh, well, <laughs> probably not. It'll take three months to edit this. Um, okay. I, I was interested in this topic, so let's just do do a, a quick go into um, lucid dreaming and astral projection. Because okay. I, I, I'm especially curious now that you just said you are skeptic about things that we don't that we can't see, like ghosts and demons. So I wonder what your thoughts are on this. Well, so okay, this, this I think I'm very interested in these things because dreams are crazy. Like they're we don't know what they are and why they are. Like to me, that is insane that we all dream, but we like don't like, and we don't know how to measure why or what like we like there's no science behind it yeah like still like i'm like we're busy discovering outer space and stuff like that like why are we putting money into that like i want to put money into our minds and find out what we're dreaming about because i in like same with like astral projection because i think those things are like, lucid dreaming and astral projection i think are real <laughs> i'm saying that question okay, I, i'll have to question you on that because but... astral projection maybe a little bit less but i have definitely i've lucid dreamed and i can do it pretty regularly i mean i, I don't have any reservations against lucid dreaming being real yeah. astral projection that's another story um i've tried to astral project many times um with no results okay hold on what do you mean by astral projection like what does this look like, like? out of body like like you can you... go places in the real world with just your mind is that what you're saying yeah yeah or yeah but but this wouldn't be your imagination, like it wouldn't be exploring. Like say you're imagining the other room over there, and you're in your mind, you're walking in that room in your imagination. No, it's, it's not that. It's your mind is going to the literal physical different place. Yeah, from your body. Yeah. Okay. I see. I don't know if I believe it, but I want to. Tr- I I've tried it so many times. Like I've tried to like. Well, I mean, it'd be certainly awesome if that, um, that was a thing. Because I mean, there's like reports of people who have done it, but I don't know if it's like true. It's like this out of body experience, and they've like well, a lot of the place. It's like different cultures and countries have a lot of like practices they do. Like sen- like there's like, and a lot of it. There's some that even like it's for curing trauma and whatnot. Which I was more interested in like that aspect of it also. Because I think it's, like, less cool to do, like, the, like, Ebenezer Scrooge, like, you're out, you're in the present day. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're you're just walking around hearing people talk about you type of thing. Yeah. Because um, I don't think that necessarily is what it is. I think it's more, maybe your imagination comes in play with, like, the places. Because I don't know if you can be in two places at once. Like, your spirit and your body or whatever, if we're going to believe in that. Because that's, like, what right. astral projection kind of does. It kind of, that's, like, supposed to separate, like, yeah. your spirit and your body, which is what where it is where it's, like, you need to be in a safe place when you do it. Like everyone who tells you is like, if you're in triastral projection, make sure you're like laying down in a safe place because you need to be able to come back. Okay. Similar so don't like, be in a moving truck when you leave your body. Yeah. Because you can't find your body. Again. <laughs> it's like Inception. Or like, or like if, Avatar where like, I mean, last Avatar or Inception. But yeah, like you need to be able to come back to the, your Aang realm. Aang needs to be able to find his body again. Yeah. So you better not be in any fights while this is happening. Uh, no car chases like you gotta just be like chilling in your don't bed don't be in action movies yeah okay well, so i have to ask you a question that comes up surprisingly a lot on this podcast do you think that the brain creates consciousness or do you think the brain receives consciousness from elsewhere oh like what well, how do you mean like is consciousness something that is manufactured by your brain yeah and would be then considered just completely a biological emergent 
phenomenon. Like your experience of, of consciousness is just created by your body. Or do you think these are the big two options? There might be different options you could find, but, or do you think that consciousness comes in from an outside source, say some dimension or realm of consciousness and maybe like light waves, it comes from out elsewhere and like light waves, you have an organ in your body that uses them. your eyes, see light and, and form images. So then your brain would feel consciousness and form your conscious experience. Do you, do you have a feeling towards being like completely mechanistic inside your body or being some sort of, I mean, kind of more mystical outside of body? Thing? I, I don't know, because I don't even know if this is, if any of this is real. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, what's, I, I feel um, I mean, maybe that's just me overthinking everything, but like part of me thinks that this is that none of it is consciousness or like it's just like energy okay, bouncing around and creating a reality, which would make it more an out of body consciousness. consciousness. So then that would be like the whatever the conscious thing is, that's the thing that exists in this physical world is because, okay, that's a good third option. Like the conscious experience exists and the physical world is created by the conscious experience. Yeah. Okay, so then it's, this is more like a dream. Yeah. Okay. Because if we if we don't understand what dreams are and they can feel so real, then what's to say that this is not some other type of dream? Right. And we are not something else, or we are this, and this is just uh, what it is. But like, if we can create dreams that feel so real, like, what is this? I don't know. Yeah, that's that's something I think about sometimes. Like, if we're still dreaming, and if if when we go to sleep, that's just a dream within a dream, yeah, kind of thing. And I mean, we couldn't really know until we wake up from this dream that that it ever was one. Just like how most of the time, anyway, when you are dreaming, you don't you know have that awareness that you're dreaming, unless it's lucid dream. Right. So then, I guess in a way, astral projection would maybe be be like be lucid so, dreaming for it'd be like this dream realm of dream, right? Yeah, like you would be in the third dream. Although, I mean, say I like you could you could do this astral projection thing where you have such control over your mental state that you can separate what your 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 body, what your consciousness created, and you can just move it around this other world that presumably your consciousness created all of it. Right. Shouldn't you then also be able to like manipulate it in other ways, like just change what's there? Like if because lucid dreaming, for instance. Like you're dreaming of eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich right. and you start to lucid dream, you could change that peanut butter and jelly sandwich into like a table. Yeah. In an instant. But maybe that's not how this realm of reality works. Okay. Maybe because when we dream, maybe things things happen a lot quicker. Like that's been like that's been proven. Like you could go through like a dream that felt like an hour and it's like three minutes of your real of this life. Okay. But what if things do, I mean, things do change around us all the time or we make them change. Just, maybe we have honed it more in our reality now. This is again so outlandish, right? And just very much, yeah. Or it could. Okay, here's another way of thinking about it. Maybe it could be that, like, if you imagine different levels of you, like different yous in these dream states. So, for instance, perhaps when you're dreaming, you've got the dreamer you, like the perspective of inside the dream, and then you've got the sleeping you, who's like a layer above that. And perhaps when you're lucid dreaming. It's that sleeping you taking control of dreaming you, if that makes any sense. So then it's like being controlled from one layer above in your own consciousness. So maybe that dreaming you... Is astral projection. Well, that dreaming you doesn't know it's dreaming. The sleeping right. you does. Yeah. So then in we're no longer asleep. 
let's say that reality itself is a dream and you could change things. Maybe I'll change this happening. This maybe I think right. goes along with your, we, what you're saying. We, we the, don't know. From our perspective, don't realize that. From our, I guess you could say, higher perspective, the the sleeper up there mm-hmm. who is us knows that we're changing things. Right. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, it's possible, but I feel like it's it's like, it's fundamentally unprovable. Oh, yeah. It's like a, it's like its own religion type of thing where it's just yeah. like, here's this other aspect. Maybe we're all dreaming. You know, like it's like a whole nother like right. form of what is reality. Like what is existence? Like, oh, we're just all dreaming. Like it's like, all right, prove me wrong. Prove me right. Like right. there's no way. But it's like, that's why those things are interesting. Like astral protection yeah. because it's like, or lucid dreaming because we don't really know what they are. So again, it like goes into like, all right, well, if we don't know what that is, what are, what are we, if we can make things feel so real in our mind and even in our own reality, like right now you can make things real by your perspective. Like you can make scenarios in your mind wrong. You can make relationships go wrong, but just by twisting them in your head. Yeah. And so like we are creating things just like we do in our dreams. We just do it on more of like a psychological level. And then we can change things over time object-wise, um, right. financial, things like that. So it's interesting because it's, I mean, it's a concept we practice in our dreams all the time, but we we do it in reality and don't realize that it's like similar, uh, like it's, it's similar. Yeah. Uh, one question I guess I would have for, for instance, if real life were a dream and then we're also dreaming when we go to sleep within the dream already, um, would, wouldn't that kind of suggest that when you go to sleep and you're dreaming, that the, the dreaming you could go to sleep and dream some more? If it's already going down like three layers, right? why couldn't it go down more than three? Like, so has anyone ever had the experience of dreaming in their dream? I think, yeah. yeah. Or not maybe not dreaming in your dream, but sleeping in your dream. Yeah. And then, then in, maybe in those, you yeah. can't receive that information because you're too... You, you like fragment your layers consciousness one, one step further, yeah. Yeah. I don't. I mean, that's just right. That's just pure speculation. Yeah, but, but like, what if that would be the case where it's you can? Because I've fallen asleep in my dreams, and then I haven't woken up like right away. I've just been like, I woke up and I'm like, oh yeah, I, felt, I remember I went to bed yeah. a couple hours ago, but it was like half an hour in real life. I'm like, oh shoot, I was I was sleeping. Like I've had dr- those dreams. I'm sure everybody has where you do your normal routine. Yeah, and then you you, sl- you go to bed and you wake up and you do that routine again. And you're like, okay, and then you wake up in real life, and you're like, I just lived two days. Yeah. And I, I remember sleeping and you wake up kind of like feeling rest. Like I'm like, I slept eight hours already in this night, but it was in my dream. Yeah. And I went to work and I went to school and I, like, in, I don't know if I have it that far. I, what happens a lot is in my dreams, I wake up and go about my day. Yeah. So then like brushing your teeth and you're like eating breakfast or like, yeah, like go to school, go to work or whatever. So then when it's like 30 minutes later and I actually wake up, I'm like, I, I thought I was at work already. And that's I'm late. the worst. Like that happens probably yeah. to everyone. But yeah, I don't know if I go through my entire day to the point where I go back to sleep in my dream. I've had that happen. And it's a weird, like you, like I've woken up and been like, what the hell? Like, where am I? And I'll like look at my phone and be like, it's this day? It's a Wednesday? But it was a, a Friday or like something weird. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't had it go that far. Um, Yeah, I don't know if I've necessarily lucid dreamed. There's been moments especially remember when i was younger where i would realize i was dreaming and uh like take control of it or maybe i didn't even realize i was dreaming but i just realized i could control my environment in that dream and then i would but then it would only last like a very short time and then and for some reason i would like lose the power and what would 
it sounds like made up and stupid, but what would legitimately happen, at least in my memory, would happen is maybe it was like a dream of me in school and I realized I could control things. So I would just like fly, like kind yeah. of glide through like the, the hallways. And then after a few minutes of doing that, it would like crumble in on itself. And what would happen is those, dan- those dancing lobsters from the Amanda show would show up. Bring in the I dancing lobsters. And I couldn't make them leave. <laughs> and like that would ruin my dream. Like, from Judge Trudy. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> would, they, they would intrude the on my dream. And then, like, make me stop, like, lucid, make me stop controlling it. Right. And then I feel like I would lose all control of my dream, and there'd just be these lobsters that are just unwanted. I wonder wonder if flying is a common one, because that's my, like, biggest one. When I'm dreaming, and I know I'm dreaming, I start flying. And I tell myself, oh, you're dreaming. And it'll, because I'll be doing something mundane, and I'll be like, I think you're dreaming. Which leads to be, like, trippy situations, because, like, I'll be, like, doing something normal. Like, you're dreaming. All right. Like, fly. And then I'll be like, okay. Like, I'll be, like, eating breakfast in my dream. And I'll be like, I think I'm dreaming right now. I think I can fly. And then I'll just, like, jump out the window and fly. And I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> dreaming. Thank God. <laughs> but then it's, like, yeah. it, it's a while. And I'll be like, I've already told myself you're dreaming. And I fl- I'll fly around and, like, I'll, like, be doing stuff. And, like, and then I'll get to the point where I want to show people. So I'll be doing tricks for them. I'm like, look at me do flips. And, like, he can fly? I'm like, yeah, I can. And then I'll wake, like, something will happen where, like, I did, I did like, a flip in the wrong direction. And, like, I fell. And I was like, he can't fly anymore. And then I can't fly anymore. Yeah. This <laughs> reminds me of, of a similar conversation conversation I had for like episode two or something with my friend Brian. Have you ever uh, yeah, like Skyrim? Skyrim. Morrowind? Um, in Morrowind, within the lore of the game, there is Vivek. He's like this mortal who became a god. And he became a god through realizing that he existed in a dream. And basically, he's a god because he is a lucid dreamer right? in reality. So you can just do whatever he wants. So he's on the different... He is doing what we were talking about, where he's in a dream in a dream. Yeah. But he knows it. He knows it. So he's like you flying around doing tricks for people. And everyone else is so amazed. And they just don't realize that they're also in a dream. So it's like me. Oh, right. So I'm like a god in my dream. Yeah. But everybody else is like living their normal live dream yeah. for that moment. Right. Yeah. And also within the, that Elder Scrolls video game lore... Realizing you're in a dream can go a few ways. You can achieve what's called Kim, which is what he did, which is when you realize that you have complete control over the universe because it's all just a dream. Or you can, what they call zero sum, which means when you realize that you're not real, this can overwhelm you right. to the point where you blink yourself out of existence. Um, yeah. See, I've thought about that multiple times. Not like, like if you think too much into existence. Yeah. It stops making any sense. And then you go crazy. Yeah, yeah, literally. And then it's and then you got the people who jump out of buildings because they think they can fly. Yeah. And then they're they're dead. Right. But what if somebody did do that and they could fly? Yeah. Not saying that like, but like, how many people would it take? Right. For us, to, like, for <laughs> one person to be like, oh, I'm actually in the that dream. Like, I mean, it it there's no amount of people who could jump out of that building in front of you to prove to you that you aren't in well, a dream no, right. because they could all just be these NPCs. But for themselves, like if somebody jumped right. out and started flying, then you'd be like, Oh my God, an alien. Right. But what if you were actually dreaming too and you could fly? <laughs> like, yeah. But like it took that level of like enlightenment and not even right. cause it's not, it wouldn't be real. I mean, we don't know. Yeah. And yeah, so I guess it's kind of, I think it's a nice almost like metaphor for real life in a way, because obviously you don't blink out of existence or I mean, perhaps you do, but you probably don't. It'd be more like, you take yourself out of existence through killing yeah. yourself because you suspect you're in a false reality and you, right. want, you want to get to the real one. So you kill yourself like Inception, like um, 
his wife does. Right. She doesn't think the reality she's in is real. Yeah. So she jumps off the building. Because they, they twisted reality so much and so yeah. often. that Which would, I think, if, if that movie was real, that would happen way more than just that one character. Yeah. It would take a strong mind to go back and forth into another, into the dream state or another dimension, if you will, well, and not go crazy. I think when they, they kind of get on that a little bit, maybe not going crazy, but like developing dependence and addiction on these things. Because when they... Like go to Morocco or whatever in Inception to get the powerful drugs that they need. They go to this like, like slum basement where everybody is on the the Inception drug, right? And they're all just like, they're there basically as long as they possibly can be because the the dream world yeah. is preferable preferable to the real world. It would be if we could access our dreams like that. I don't think anyone would stay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some people would. Was that a th- is that a problem with uh, actual lucid dreamers who like in their dreams are lucid? Like, do they just not want to you want to stay yeah you want to just never wake up yeah i mean whenever i lose a dream i will sleep as long as possible and sometimes i'll be able to wake up and go back to sleep and join that dream right away oh yeah I've, so, so i'll be able to like i want to sleep i've been able I, to do that not so much with lucid dreaming but just with like being in a pleasant dream and then just being able to quickly go back to sleep and get back to that dream yeah. that's happened but which is weird because you can think you think about the dream and then you're back yeah and it's happened so many times where i'll be like in a plot of something like i'll be like a pirate yeah and I'll be like, oh, no. And I'll wake up. I'm like, oh, shoot. No, and I got to get the treasure or whatever it is. And I'll go back to sleep and be like right back into it. Yeah. And I'll be like, here I am. <laughs> Weird. But it feels super real. Even in that moment where I'm falling back into sleep. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I've got to get back to this. I've got a deadline to me. Like, So it's weird how your mind can make things seem so real. Yeah. And then the, the real problem, because, th- okay, this is... One reason why I view religious belief as insanity. And okay. like literally. Yeah. And I know that's not a popular that's not even a good thing to say because you're not gonna win anybody over by saying that. I I like that opinion, but that's But I mean I'm not gonna make anyone not religious by, right. by calling them crazy. Right. So it's not like a good argument tool. Yeah. But I, I mean it's something I literally think is true. Um so what are you gonna do? Um, <laughs> what are you gonna do? <laughs> um but th- I'll explain it this way. So with the with the Kim thing, the Elder Scrolls, C H I M Kim, or you know, becoming a lucid dreamer in reality, the the way to do that is to you you have to fully accept and acknowledge that you are in a dream, but you can't actually like prove that. So it, it requires making a leap of faith to right. think that to just have full conviction and jump out that window and you know yeah. hope that you're gonna fly, which is crazy. Like yeah. Like that's that's why like to have that's, complete conviction in in a thing without evidence for that thing is yeah. insane. When you say it like that, it makes so much more sense. Right, it's the same as that's what I meant. Yeah. It's the same as like, can't wait to die so I can go to heaven. Right, yeah. that is insanity. Yeah, to be like to not. It's not like people they don't wish for death. I mean, it really, but it's, it's like a, be happy that person died because now yeah. they're in heaven. It's like wait, 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 what? I mean, it's exactly the same thing in a way. It's like this reality isn't the real one. Yeah, that's the real one up there, and it's weird and how we go to it. It's weird how when we when we talked earlier, just like 10 minutes ago, we were saying how if you know that this isn't the reality, you would go insane. Yeah. And it's weird how that is so accepted as not being insane, going to heaven yeah. or something like that, right. or be reincarnated. How is that not not insanity? Right. Is to be like, this isn't real, or this isn't what we're supposed to be here it, for. This isn't like the authentic, the original reality. Yeah. This isn't like... Like if I was, I actually think this, if I was religious and I thought the way that say people in our family thought about religion and how it's like, oh, when you die, you go to heaven and it's a better place. I would kill myself. 
Right. I mean, I guess the reason you don't is because you're also taught that if you do kill yourself, that's a one-way ticket to hell. Right. And yeah, so that's like, that's a counteract the craziness that yeah. would happen if people are like, you'll just go to heaven. Yeah. But I feel like I would, in your head, if you think things like that, you're like, oh, no, 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 like, Jesus understands, like, God understands, like, I'm good all my life. Let me just kill myself. Just right. one, just one little oops. Which, and this gets into one reason why, in a way, I don't know if religious people really are crazy, because in a way, I don't know if they actually believe these things. Because if you if did they're... really believe heaven exists, you would be happy to die. Right. You wouldn't kill yourself because you don't want to go to hell, but you would be really happy if someone just murdered you right now. Yeah. You would be really happy if somebody murdered your child. Yeah. Because your child is innocent. They're going to heaven. Yeah. You know? Obviously, you're not going to murder your child because you don't yourself want to go to hell. Right. But it would but be what if the you best you were thing going in to hell the already? world. And then you're like, let me kill. You know, like, that. if you're yeah. like, oh, I've done some bad things because a lot of religion is guilt. Would you become like a killer just to be like, I'm going to bring these people to heaven. And then right. you've got like this like sadistic religious killer. Right. I mean, they have like, that's like a, like a Dexter season right. where he's like, all oh, these people are going to go to heaven and I'm going to sacrifice them. And they're going to yeah. live their lives. And it's like, what? But like, that would be what it would be if people yeah. lost that grip of reality, which is why, I, yeah, they don't fully believe that. Yeah. So like, I got to wonder, like if you are actually like, you know, sad or whatever, when somebody you love dies, does that kind of tells me a little bit that, Maybe you don't actually believe heaven is, is real. Right. Or else you'd be overjoyed. Yeah, you, you would be like, I'm sad they're not here with me right now. But they're in... I mean, people do say that. Like, they're in a better place. But right. I think people would have more conviction about right. it. And there are certainly people that exist who have that conviction. There are reports of, um, for instance, like people who... Like, they, they are like Muslims and they, you know, do suicide bombings. And then you, their family gets told of what they did. And their family is, like, overjoyed. Because they know that they have gotten their free pass to, to heaven. Or what was it? There was there was like a crime documentary I was watching, and like the the wife, the uh, the kids were murdered or something like that. Like the husband and the wife was like the prime suspect, and she was very happy about it. Like right away, like it was like a couple of days later. Not happy, but she was just like, oh yeah, that's too bad. And like, but like they're in a better place, and it was like right went straight to religion, and it was or I think this sounds familiar to me. Yeah, I forgot what it was. It was something like that where like the. The person who you expect to be the most sad about it was like very nonchalant and just like accepting. Yeah. And then they didn't they didn't do it, but like all the police officers like they killed this is the person who we should be like prime suspect number one. Yeah. It was like somebody else, but Yeah, I would even expect me like everyone like, to act that way if yeah. if they were fully convinced of their religious beliefs. Yeah. Which this person I guess was. Yeah. They're like, Oh my family, they're in a better place. And it's like their whole family was like killed. I'm like, What? Those are like your sons and daughters and like the mom was like they're in a better place. Like, I'm gonna. Right. Could you get out of my face, reporters? And you're like, okay, this person killed them. Yeah, but she didn't, or she might have, and she got away with it. I don't know. Yeah, and um, I guess with the thing about like killing other people to send them to heaven, it, may, it might depend because obviously with a lot of um, really probably all religions, there's this like redemption kind of thing. Like, even if you think you're going to hell, you can always go to heaven. Like, right. Especially for like Christianity or like um, Protestantism, yeah. all it takes is belief in God. You don't have to be yeah. a good person. Like Catholicism, yeah, it's like, Catholicism. It's it's um, belief and good works. Protestantism, it's not even good works. It's just belief. You can be a bad person and go to heaven as long as you yeah. accept Jesus in your heart as your Lord and Savior. But and sometimes it's you don't. Some religions, it's not even while you're alive, you go into like the. Oh, like, like a judgment kind of thing? Yeah, yeah like yeah. you you go to judgment and you can repent. Right. 
And if you and found yourself like, in judgment, why would you not? If you realize that this is legitimate. And oh, real, I would repent right away. Like, why, I'm so sorry. Like if you realize, this oh, is real. God exists and he's he's this dickbag who's going to send right. me to hell if I don't repent. So then everyone would go to heaven yeah. in that theory. I mean, unless you're an idiot. They'd just right. be like a bunch of people like, ah, fuck, I forgot to say sorry. Right. And they're just like, ah, uh, no. He asked me if I was sorry and I said no as a joke and he sent me to hell. <laughs> it's just a bunch of comedians and hell, like uh, sarcastic assholes. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't expect people who would cons- would think of themselves as going to hell to, to kill people to send them to heaven because they probably expect that they'll be able to make it to heaven anyway. Like, really, who who what religious person believes they're going to hell? Like zero. Oh, none. They Which all is the problem. think they're going to hell. Yeah. They're all they all are like, I've never I've they're sinned, all good but people it's fine. in their own mind. Yeah. And, oh, that's what we were talking about earlier with like nobody's the villain in their own story kind of thing. Like everybody thinks of themselves as being good. Yeah. Even if they're not. But then there's another way with the um, killing people thing is, I don't, it, it seems to me, if you did accept all of these beliefs, that it would be very noble of you to send yourself to hell in order to send other people to heaven. Because think of it this way. <laughs> just kamikaze bombers everywhere. Right. Think of it this way, though, because if you believe that there are many people who, like, get corrupted away by Satan away from the faith, like, people who are Christian and turn atheist or whatever, or people who, like, fornicate or, you know, right. give up their sexual purity because everyone's so obsessed with that they do whatever that's going to make them go to hell if you kill them before they do that thing for instance when they're a baby um or a small child or whatever right. it is if you kill them before that time you know they're going to heaven because they didn't commit these sins against god right so wouldn't it be the most noble thing you could do to sacrifice to yourself <laughs> right exactly oh. sacrifice yourself because what you're doing is you're saying i'm going to kill all these people send right. them right to heaven and yes i'm going to go to hell obviously that's bad for me but it's like oh, but all those lives. I know, right? That's so great. So if great you really believe these things, why would you not do that? Right. So all these extreme pro-lifers <laughs> should be the opposite. Yeah. They should just <laughs> be going there as unibombers. No. Yeah. I mean, obviously, then the self-interest trumps out. Like you want to go to heaven more than you want other people to go to heaven. Yeah. It's always. I mean, all those things are going to be purely rooted. Most things in our lives are rooted in like a. a selfish yeah self-interest yeah. i mean it you it has to be otherwise you would people who lose self-interest kill themselves or just well, kill themselves through nothing, like the um any means the, the, the will um, smith uh eight pounds thing you know like so, right. so altruistic that you give up all your organs to right. save other people which almost seems like some type of inflated ego too it's like okay like oh like, yeah you have a savior he, like, complex doesn't he, like, want them to know too he like gives them little hints or like he I, meets I them i actually something. haven't seen that movie but i know i know the plot i, think I mean he, i know the basic i think he premise. like meets them or he writes something for him so it's like he's it's almost like some thirsting yeah, reason why to type of shit like, where it's like i did this to you yeah. that organ inside of you it's mine right. and you should always know that and uh, you're welcome yeah like, uh, no one asked, but okay, thank you. Right, but yeah, basically, but he's if like, you but get because I, the... I tried, to, I actually killed he, what he he hit somebody in a car. That's oh, he how feels it is, guilt right? about it, so he wants to. He kills like up eight for people. Oh, he has to even out the balance. Yeah, so then he goes and like donates parts of him to yeah. like save people, people who are in that circle of the people he killed, something like that. Oh, okay. It's very like a very two thousands like five convoluted plot that like, yeah. and they flesh it out almost like a thriller a little bit, but not really. <laughs> Thriller, the, the dramatic thriller moments are him ripping out his own kidney in the bathtub. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I did this for Gloria, who I killed in a semi-truck. This. No. Yeah. But yeah, basically, if you go too far to the altruistic side of things, yeah, you can, you know, it's, it's, it's to your own self-detriment, which, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's kind of stupidly altruistic. If you're wisely altruistic, you'll realize that you need to maintain your own health. But 
to help other people, but like you could go like I don't know, no, not taking care of yourself like, who in does, order to help other people. But in the same way, like how does that help anybody else? You know, if you're not taking care of yourself, yeah, how is that helpful? Then and everybody's just worrying about you now, and then now you're like the center of attention because everybody's like, oh, yeah. this poor person. You're a burden on other people, actually. Yeah, yeah. And then their whole life is like, oh no, I got to take care of them because that's the right thing to do. They've got They're some like, complex no, where they think they're some savior. Yeah, that that's that's what I mean when I say that uh, religious belief is like insanity. It's, I mean, you literally have to take that leap of faith, which there is no reason to do it. You just have to believe that reality is false, right? Or at least, you know, false well, adjacent. Well, I mean, that's why I when I was thinking when I included it in my topic discussions of interest, and I threw in like religion and like modern nationalism, day nationalism, yeah, brainwashing. because those are in my head over yeah to reality and perspective and perception because no one like everyone's reality is different and that it's interesting how religion tries to make everyone have the same reality yeah but it will it never works like no one even in like the same church those people everyone's doing different things and living different lives and thinking everyone else in that room is more of a sinner than they are yeah or vice versa like and and then it just like creates this little like ecosystem of just like in my opinion just pure terror of just people who have like this perception of that they are better than the world because they are religious or like not better righteous or yeah self-righteous and more knowing because they accepted something that yeah they they know the true yeah state of reality which is how things really are I mean, we see that in our family more often, more than <laughs> more than my friends in LA, at least, seeing their families like this. Yeah, self righteous attitude of religion, where it's like, oh, I accepted this being into my life, so I know more than you, and it's like, or I read the Bible, so therefore I know more about reality, and it's like those those two things are completely separate. Yeah, the Bible and reality, and this being and knowledge are so se- separate from each other. Yeah. accepting some otherworldly or unknown entity into your life and acknowledging that as truth is not knowledge right that doesn't make you smarter or better than anybody else reading a book and interpreting any way you want it and switching the interpretations and like even any book you take your own interpretations because your perspective is different that is, does not make you more knowledgeable or more righteous yeah. But people love to think that that is something that gives them more power. Yeah, like I wonder if there's even any way at all to do what we were talking about at the beginning of making everyone have, like making isn't a good word, but getting to a state where everyone has the same worldview, I guess, or the same right. idea of reality. Because, yeah, religion tries to do it, and that's through force, through childhood indoctrination. Con- like na- national conquests in Right, especially like, earlier. Um, yeah. Oh, even still, like, I mean, they do, like, Bible outreach in, like... Yeah, like... Asia yeah. and, like... Missionary. Yeah, um, missionary work in Africa and South America. And it's like, why? Yeah, they, it's like you've got that... Those places don't need a church there. Like, ulterior maybe they motive. Need some jobs you're trying to build them like, houses, but also, like, spread your... Yeah, it's uh, like, oh, here's houses in a church. And, like, oh, the church is great. Come to our church. Yeah, it's like, yeah. how about just, like, put some jobs and, like, resources available to yeah. these people in need? Or whatever, like... And the, the one thing that's just is probably the worst, and I, I should really become illegal, but I don't know how it could feasibly even be illegal, is the childhood indoctrination thing. Like, right. your whole system relies on 
making your adherents have as many children as possible, and then raising those children up in the system of belief before they can even right. do their own mental logic and critical thinking. Yeah. So, like, they believe this before they even know how to know things. Yeah, so now they're they're praying to a being asking for good grades or healthy relationships with their family or, like, presents they want for Christmas or things like that. And it's like they're praying to this being before they know if it's real or not before they can question if it's real or not yeah before they can question what is reality they are being told this is reality yeah and it's i think it's damaged i mean i think it's damaging to like society and just to like progress yeah is to tell people here is something to believe in believe in it i think religion does play a good part in some people's lives like i do think it gives people hope and it gives people things to look forward to and maybe even some like moral guidelines if people lack that i'm not sure how or why but i'm also coming from a place where i we grew up religious so i i don't know i mean i'm hopeful that i would have the similar morals but i mean what i would say quickly to those things just generally speaking is that i've said that a lot in this podcast generally anyway what i would say to that um is that even if religion can in some people's lives play those roles of giving people like hope or moral guidelines I think there is always an alternative source right. for those things where it's not like we need to rely upon religion for those. Yeah. But I think as, um, as a parent or like a guardian or like a busy individual with children or whatever, or just people who like you're looking after, I think that's an easy solution. Right. It's to just bring them to church and be like, here's, free, here's things. Free it's free childcare. Free. They're like, here's things that are right and wrong. And if it's wrong, you're going to burn in hell. Yeah. Why? You're going to burn in hell. Do you want to burn in hell, child? Like, <laughs> no. Okay, then do these things. It's, like, easy. Like, yeah. you can't, can, like, tell, like, a five-year-old, or you can't, like, rationalize a five-year-old, like, oh, why are these things bad? Like, well, in society, if you do these things, like, these Don't are the consequences. People, and they neg- yeah. happy, and how would you feel if you were unhappy? Like, right. Because you can't explain that. You can't explain, like, oh, well, if you killed somebody, like, five-year-old, like, then you... I mean, you can't explain it. It just takes a little bit more work and a little bit more like under knowledge about like, yeah, and empathy and things like that. Whereas yeah, it's, it's just easier, easier to, to give commands than it yeah, is to like, give rational. You'll go to hell. Explanation. Like the easiest negative consequence you can imagine. Yeah. It's just you'll go to hell. What doesn't? Like, oh no, what jail? What's that? Hell. Like <laughs> like, what is that? I don't know. Think about it. the worst place in your mind. Yep. Everyone's gonna have a different thing of like what hell is, and it's like all right, it's fiery, and the child's like, oh my god, all right. Never mind. I yeah. can't do that. So I wonder, though, if, um, at least in my mind right now, it seems like the best way to get to that, I guess, probably unrealistic, never going to be achieved, but still worth going after a utopian state where everybody realizes the same things, is probably through, like, maybe freedom of speech is the only way there, because you're not forcing anybody to, you're not teaching people things before they even learn how to learn. You're just allowing free conversations so that people can be exposed by better arguments and better logic. Right. So, I don't know. I feel like it's probably not never even going to get there, but that's really the only hope for changing people's minds in a healthy way. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it'll get to that, uh, what we were talking about in the very beginning that was off topic completely. It was. I just, like, brought it up real quick. Like, but, like, this, like, level of, like, yeah, like, societal nirvana of, right. like, everyone is one mind. I think the biggest thing that would have to come in play is, like, finances. Like, you'd have to eliminate fear of survival yeah before anything else so everyone have to just be like comfortably living and feeling yeah (laughs) i'm a big fan of that but yeah like everyone have to be feeling like comfortable secure secure and cared after and whatnot so like you'd have to give everybody 
livable wages that would or just no wages right no uh in some type of like yeah everyone have to be like the same no no labor economy yeah because then after everyone's the same and all your survival things are met and all of your materialistic needs are met then you're able to really explore the mind and what is right the most like important maslow's thing. hierarchy of needs right yeah but that is so far off and in right. honestly maybe unachievable unachievable like like i was saying when we were talking about the purge thing where like equalizing everyone is probably not a doable task because yeah, it would just circle right back and be like oh well somebody's there's always gonna be some type of resource yeah or so, also maybe not even a good task like would it be a, a good thing to for, for there to be no difference in uh, value at all yeah probably not for like the love like the um amount of society and amount of people we have i think that'd be too far off like i'm not talking like a thanos snap or anything but yeah. there would have to be like it would have to be small little civilizations would be able to get like to be able to do it right but then you have like competition it would have to be like everyone's living their own world but there's like a neighborhood of a thousand people and it's like sectioned off and like another thousand people and it's like all right and they all live their lives in a little utopia yeah but then if they're all sequestered from each other how would they have the same ideas about the world it would be like every single every single com like commune or every single little little tiny city is its own like reality bubble where they believe different things and there's like harmony within there but if they ever interacted they'd kill each other which is i mean kind of how it was no then everyone has one the same um microchip the same education coming from one person me (laughs) who'd be the overseer of society yeah Uh, not they call me the overseer not president or that doesn't sound like a villain title it's not overseer the overseer okay. capital t h <laughs> e overseer yeah it's yeah and it's i have a large tower in like yeah. the middle of nothing that um, says the overseer and it strikes lightning all the time i don't know i gotta get that fixed but yeah this sounds like something i just watched but i won't spoil it for you um oh <laughs> i know what you just watched because you just told me oh. no i watched many things recently oh okay but I know what name that I just said, which I know is a name of a character in a certain franchise. What, the Overseer? Yeah. Oh, no, no. The Watcher? The Over... The... What am I talking about? (laughs) They don't do anything. Oh. um, It's in comic books, right? Okay. It's, yeah, it's semi-related to that. Okay, that's what I thought it was, okay, because I know who they cast as that role. I'm like, that role's coming up? Okay. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Okay. Anyway. Yeah, well, spoilers, not if people know comics. That's true. I don't even know them. I just Google them before something comes out. Oh, okay. We're yeah, talking I've about WandaVision. <laughs> no. I don't think we can get through any more of these topics in the time. The time allotted? Yeah. The time our sponsors, Brita, gave us. Right. They only paid us for you know this specific amount of minutes. How long has it been? Probably two and a half hours. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a long time. Yeah. Um... That'll that'll probably be the end of it. Uh, <laughs> That's the, uh, the end of that ending. I yeah. mean, we started abrupt. We might as well end abrupt. Yeah. Do you have any Do you have any parting thoughts though? One thing I like to leave on a lot of the time is some sort of actionable recommendation from whoever the guest is, which I guess is you. In in case you know, if there's any question, um, recommendation towards book or movie or TV show that you maybe really like and think the audience would like as well, or if they liked oh. this conversation, maybe, or it doesn't even have to do with this conversation. Just something that you. A piece of who you are that you think the audience should experience. If you liked this, <laughs> what do we, we talked about so many things. Um, yeah. I mean, if you like reality and horror, I highly recommend Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. But that's, I feel like a lot of people have seen that already. But that's something that I gravitate towards. 
they they struggle with reality and horror oh, a lot. Okay. That's the show overtouches on a lot of those topics of what is real and what are dreams. Maybe this whole thing was actually just sponsored by that show. Now <laughs> that I think about it, it's yeah. very much I what that show it. is. I probably will watch it eventually. And yeah, book wise, it's this little known it's this little book series called Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> no, um God, I don't even know. What am I I'm reading a lot of random things. I recently read Call Me By Your Name like a couple months ago. The movie with like Timothy Shalamander yeah. <laughs> and the Cannibal Man. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sad. If you like a good cry, like a, a cry for days and just like a, not even a sad cry, just like a, oh my God, the world is rough cry. cry yeah. what, read that. It's a lot different than the the movie as far as um, the reason to cry. The movie is a little just depressing and sad, but the book is... Like four chapters of just like agonizing sadness. The book is four chapters, or no, no, the, the four chapters, four chapters of the book. worth of just okay. the ending like expands onto okay. the sad and dread, the sad and dreadful ending of the movie. Hmm. So if you like, if you like horror and crying, those are my two recommendations. Okay. Yeah, neither of those things are things that I've watched or read. Yeah, I keep on getting the Haunting of Hill House recommended to me. It's a good one. Not generally a fan of horror, but I probably should watch it anyway. And if it's more like psychological horror than it is like jump scare horror, then I'll probably like it. Right. I tend to read more sad books. Like every book I read, I want to cry. Um, I don't know why. I don't know why. And then I like to watch horror. But I think it's because I go about my life and I laugh a lot during my day. And I mm-hmm. like to have fun with my days. So I feel like my days are comedy. And then my viewing is always sad and or yeah you're seeking in your entertainment that which you don't have enough of in your life yeah yeah not enough people make me cry and not enough people make me scared <laughs> so yeah. i need better friends friends that'll stab you every once in a while just once in a while <laughs> some mere flesh wound would be yeah. fine or an emotional stabbing yeah no none of those <laughs> yeah uh well anyway thanks for being on this episode of the podcast if you enjoyed listening to this episode or any of my other episodes please consider um you know sharing it with a friend or maybe even paying if you have the money and you love me that much which i you know i'd be surprised if you did i did sponsor this i podcast. know i was <laughs> i didn't even say that you are a sponsor I'm this a podcast. sponsor yeah wow yeah this was made possible by brad allen <laughs> by viewers like you <laughs> by viewers like you that is true it's yeah i paid my way to be talked to for my brother to talk to me this is crazy <laughs> that is yeah a little bit strange when you put it that way um <laughs> there is at least two viewers like you that make this channel po- or not channel uh podcast but we're cut awesome. for time so we can't name them right now yes <laughs> yeah um anyway if you like this share it with a friend or if you're watching it on a place like YouTube, uh, give it a like. If you're listening on a place like Apple Podcasts, give it a rating or a review. That'd be good. Goodbye. Adios for our bilingual listeners. <laughs>